This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Daily, everybody. Great to have you with us. Andrew Patterson with you along with the CTO, Michael Remus, back at WST Command Center. Big, big show today. No game to talk about, but everybody's still exhaling, de-stressing after that crazy series against the Edmonton Oilers. We'll have more on the Winnipeg Jets, who um, get a little bit of R&R time before figuring out who they'll be facing in the second round. Certainly looks like high probability of the Toronto Maple Leafs after their win over the Montreal Canadiens tonight. We'll tackle that and much more as we get into the program. Um, You may have seen on social media already, this is going to be a massive show for us. Really excited to welcome in head coach Paul Maurice of the Winnipeg Jets for the first time on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. We'll be doing that a little bit later on in the program. Before that, we'll break down how the Jets did it. And I'll look ahead to round two with Tim Campbell from NHL.com. And also get into what happened to the Oilers, just how close this series was. And Winnipeg's chances going up against, in all likelihood, the number one team from the season in the North Division the Toronto Maple Leafs. As always, we got to start off by thanking the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen, not Autocorp, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend Country Club, Quebec Canada, and Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. And speaking of Assiniboia Downs, we will get to our picks a little bit later on today after the coach comes on for tonight's day of live racing um, it didn't go well last night. Well, it didn't go well for Remus. He lost his bet on race one. Mine were a little later on. And because of the crazy weather last night, the card was postponed, the remaining of the races. So I've got to double down today and get back in the winner's circle. We'll do that a little bit later on. Um, let's get Michael Remus in here and chop it up before we bring on Tim Campbell to get things going. Remo, um, and, and I'll put this out to everyone in the chat today too. How well did you sleep yesterday? How much did you rest? How much recuperation and recovery time did the fans need after a very late one, a legendary triple O team on a game that already started nearly at nine o'clock? I don't know about you, Reem, but I conked out for a couple hours after the show, got up, watched the Habs game, and then went right back. Um, I think like a lot of people around the city needed a complete reset after some, well, a wild weekend that, unlike many May long weekends, was wild, not because we were out having fun yeah. doing things elsewhere, but because we were living and dying with every single second of three consecutive overtime games that all came out in the Jets' favor. Yeah, I mean, we had the uh, the comeback overtime. N- nice to get a 6.30 start on the Sunday, but the Monday, I mean, we were everyone was typing in chat before, I mean, what time did you go to bed? I didn't go to get to bed till like 2.45. I know Tim Campbell's coming up was up very late writing for NHL.com. I saw a number of people, you know, got, went to bed extremely late. I know Ke- and Kenny and Randy, what, they ended at like 3 a.m., 3.30 a.m.? Yeah. On, yeah. It- on just technically <laughs> Monday morning. So, uh, yeah, we needed some sleep. We need to watch the game last night. Uh, Toronto wins. It's looking like Winnipeg's going to play Toronto. But if you ask any Leafs fan... I think up 3-1, maybe their confidence <laughs> isn't what you think it should be. So it was nice, you know, not to have a to have a break. I know the players are having a break. Mark Shafley and his goats were not at the rink. And, um, yeah, it was, and we'll have a couple days here. So, you know, we'll be staying tuned to that Toronto-Montreal series. And then 
I mean, if it ends Thursday, you think they could start it Saturday? I guess it well, it, it depends on the other series because they do want the Leafs in that Saturday time slot. No, absolutely. It's funny. A couple people hit me up on Twitter yesterday with that question, and I kind of said I doubt it. I mean, they have games scheduled in this series going Saturday and Monday if there is a Game 7. But, I mean, certainly from a broadcasting side, and I guess a league side as well. I mean, let's not forget, Reem, that, you know, three more series could be finished tonight. We'll get to the cool bet lines a little later on, but we've got Game 6s in the Pittsburgh Islanders series uh, the Vegas Golden Knights and Minnesota Wild Series and the Battle of Florida between the Panthers and the Lightning. All of those series could finish tomorrow and potentially Toronto and Carolina could win their series tomorrow as well. So, um, you know, they could be getting into the next round on the weekend. And I know the National Hockey League would probably love to get the series back on track. Part of the reason why both North Division series had a built-in back-to-back was the fact that they had to start so much later because the National Hockey League wanted to finish the Vancouver-Calgary series of the regular season before they officially started playoffs in the same division. Yeah, I'm just looking at the schedule right now. I mean, right now, Saturday, to be determined on the schedule is Nashville-Carolina, Game 7 if necessary, and Toronto-Montreal, Game game 6 if necessary. So, but before we get there, we got to go tomorrow is Carolina-Nashville, Game what, six? And Montreal-Toronto game five. So I think maybe Thursday we'll have some clarity. I wonder if they would give them the quick turnaround just so they can squeeze in another Saturday Saturday night game of Leafs-Jets. Um, that would be the reason why, but and give them a day off. In between. Usually they give them a, a couple days, right? Or are they well, going to start right away? You know, sometimes, I mean, you know, teams in the past have gone to game seven, have mm. then gone right back at it. I mean, Listen, the Jets are going to get the benefit of the sweep and, you know, are not playing yesterday, today, Mm -hmm. tomorrow. So if I'm the Leafs and I, you know, end it in five games, I probably don't want to get right back at it two days later Mm -hmm. against a rested opponent. I could see Sunday happening potentially um, because, of course, Sunday, it still would be a pretty solid primetime game in Canada. Numbers would be huge. And then if you're going on the day on, day off, uh, you go from Sunday to Tuesday to Thursday and then you've got that game four oh. Saturday matchup for uh, for hockey night in Canada. Yeah. So I could see uh, I could see it rolling like that. One thing I'll tell you, um, based on what we saw last night, um, I think there's a pretty good chance that this series does end tomorrow because it did not seem last night that Montreal had very many answers for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Although, as many people in the chat have um, have mentioned, here's one from James Robinson: the Jets are playing like the only team that knows it's the playoffs in the North Division. Um, you know, I don't know, maybe it was the intensity, maybe it was how locked in and how invested we all were in the Winnipeg Jets-Edmonton series, but, I mean, it did seem like an early regular season game last night between Toronto and Montreal compared to what we saw between Winnipeg and Edmonton, and that has nothing to do with fans in the building because there weren't any here in Winnipeg and there weren't any for the Leaf-Habs uh, game last night. Yeah, I saw a lot of comments on Twitter last night during the game that, oh, this has actually been, you know, there was so much hype for Toronto-Montreal and it's actually been the worst series, uh, the most boring. And yeah, I saw comments from people saying, oh, this feels like a regular season game. I thought I was going to get that feeling um, from the Jets games too. You know, no fans and you see the other arenas. I mean, Carolina's playing with full barn right now. And I did not get that feeling at all from watching the Jets games. It definitely felt like you were watching playoff hockey, the intensity. It also could have been because three games went to overtime. 
But even how I was feeling on the couch, I think Paul Maurice mentioned that he had a friend who's like heart rate monitor went off because he thought he was doing too much exercise. <laughs> That's his phone, amazing. His, his watch started buzzing. So, I mean, I, I definitely, I'm going to be honest, I needed to take a shower after watching the game from just how intense it was. But uh, I, 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 you know, one of my friends said to me before, he's like, oh, it's going to suck. No fans. I did not get that feeling at all. I thought it was, uh, I thought it, they were awesome games. And again, they were close games. You had, you know, we're so focused on the three overtime game, you almost forget that there was a three goal comeback in the final eight minutes of a third period, and then an overtime win in game three. Game four was was just as uh, as epic, and I don't want to overuse the term epic, but I think I think you can it, it's applicable here. Well, and a part of the reason why, I mean, it's going to be such a treat to talk to Paul Maurice today on the program is that there's so much to get to from just how close this series was to. You know, what's it like being on the bench through those overtimes, differences from really coaching in the regular season to the playoffs to overtime in the playoffs, as well as what happens after a game like that for both the players and the coaches. So we'll get into all that with Paul Maurice coming up in about half an hour or so, probably in around two o'clock. I think the coach is going to join us and we'll have, uh, if you're watching with us live on YouTube and Tim Campbell coming up in just a few minutes. Um, you know, as far, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, Reem, about the triple OT coming off of the Ehlers OT winner. I mean, you know, we've got three different OT winners to talk about in this game. And part yeah. of the reason why, and I'll give you credit, I mean, I know we said last week that we were going to do do a show on Holiday Monday just because, you know, we were going to be going from Game 3 into Game 4. Um, and regardless of what had happened in the games, there would be a lot to get to. And, um, you know, people would be wanting to hear it. Um, but I think doing the show on Sunday, which we hadn't originally planned to, that was so well-received by everyone, A, showed how fired up people were to get as much Winnipeg Jets and NHL playoffs content as they could in the middle of a long weekend with nothing else going on. But you're exactly right. It did give us time to specifically talk about, you know, game by game throughout the series because can you imagine if we just like not been on the air over the course of the weekend and then came on on Tuesday and had to talk about everything that happened over the last three days? I mean, it had been, I mean, there is so much to dive into and certainly from a Jets fan perspective, so many things to be excited about that. Um, I am happy that we did fire it up on Sunday and Monday because there was a lot that couldn't wait till Tuesday and hell, by the time we got to Tuesday, if we didn't have those shows done, we would have had to go for about five hours and done multiple pods because Game three, uh, game two, game three, and game four all needed to be dissected, and there was a lot of good things for Jet fans to uh, to chew on as we get into a few days off as they wait for the Leafs or Habs. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, uh, we were on on Sunday. We had a great conversation <clears throat> with uh, JP VJ, who really gave us some great insight on how the Jet strategy changed uh, from the regular season against. Um, you know, from what we saw in their forecheck and how they were able to contain Connor McDavid. Again, pointless for the first two games. And, you know, he had to, he had his points in the other games. But, again, it was so, it was so close the Jets were able to battle back. I've seen a lot of, um, I guess, outrage. People mad online about the officiating in the series, saying the Oilers didn't get enough calls. I mean, I thought it was equally bad both ways. So, I don't, I don't know where you stand on that. And I agree that... You know, the standard in the playoffs is clearly different from the regular season, which I think is a concern, but I don't think the Jets had an advantage on the officiating. That was my perspective. I, yeah, I no, I mean, listen, a lot of people around Edmonton will say, Connor McDavid never drew any penalties in the entire end. 
you know, I guess that is legitimate. Um, but, uh, you know, there was a couple. I was surprised maybe that DeMello didn't get tagged with that check that was sort of knee-on-knee in, that, in the final game, um, you know, maybe for two minutes. But for the most part, I thought the Jets, you know, really did everything they could within the rules as they were being called um, to give themselves the best the best chance to, to hold down, um, in particular, McDavid, but Dreisaitl as well. And um, this is not new. I mean, we all know that playoff hockey is significantly different in the regular season. And, you know, the bigger conversation, if you want to talk about, well, why are things different? Should it be? Listen, that's a much bigger conversation. We're living in the now. We know and everyone was expecting things to get tighter as they do each and every year in the Stanley mm-hmm. Cup playoffs. And, you know, the Jets were prepared for that. Um, certainly Paul Maurice talked about that going into the series. And the players obviously listened and stepped up with the challenge. Um, and obviously it was night and day with the way that they were able to defend against those top stars in the Edmonton Oilers than it was during the regular season. Um Listen, if I'm on the other side of things, ah, you know what, I, I probably will go to that and kind of wonder how it was the case. But the bottom line was, it wasn't like we were getting, you know, long video um, tweet threads with this wasn't called, this wasn't no. called, this wasn't called. It was more just an overall uh, thing. And it was very similar to the penalties called between the teams in the regular season. I believe in the regular season, it was even at 4.9 minutes per game. And in the playoffs, it was 5.2 for the uh, for the uh, Jets, 5.6 for the Oilers as far as time on power play. So it sort of made sense. I don't think that, I mean, I certainly don't think it was lopsided in one way or the other. It was just sort of the way the games were were, were, were called. And, you know, for the Jets' perspective, they seemed to embrace that very early on and, um, you know, played as hard as they could within the rules as they were being called and did a pretty good job in, uh, as well as can be expected um, to contain two guys that really ate their lunch all regular season. Yeah, I know some people were criticizing the broadcast for showing not called penalties on McDavid, but I mean, you can po- point to a number of situations from the series where, um, you know, calls that were going against the Jets. So I've just have seen it a lot on social media over the last day. Maybe that's who I follow. And maybe it's upset Oilers fans. They did have their go, you know, going home press conference today. Ken Holland spoke. And I know the Jets spoke as well. But I thought we could point out we never and we never even talked yesterday about the puck over glass, which seems to be the most easy penalty to call that wasn't called in game four, but they did eventually get one back in overtime. Now they didn't score in the power play, but like can we just get what do you think of this puck over glass? I mean it's is it the dumbest rule? Do we need to just get rid of it's it? It's the best right. rule. It's the th- best rule. It is the best rule. I am I am a hundred percent behind the puck over glass. And you know, the reason why I say it's the best is because it's clear-cut. I mean, there's no degree of did the defenseman or did the player shoot it directly over the glass. It is a yes or no thing. And, you know, you wonder why. And I know there's a lot of complaining about it, but it's, I mean, you can't blame anyone else for it. I guess there will be a time where there is sort of a real unlucky deflection directly out, and those are somewhat unfortunate. But I would far rather have the rule the way it is right now, called the way it is right now, then have the option for defensemen when they're under stress or duress in their own end, just being able to flip it over the glass for a, for a timeout um, and, and a faceoff. I mean, that's the reason why the rule was put in. And to be honest with you, with how close these games are being officiated uh, and how many penalties you know are sort of let go at this time, 
Um, I have to say, Reem, that I really think that this is probably the most fair penalty that gets called because everyone knows what the rule is beforehand. And if you do it, you're going to be on the power play. And listen, I have no uh, issues with power plays and overtime if it's a penalty. Um, and listen, a lot of things don't become penalties when we get to OT. But as far as the puck over glass, I mean, I don't know what anyone could possibly complain about. It's pretty clear cut. Don't do it if you don't want to spend two minutes in the box. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I think there was one that, you know, I guess you couldn't really tell from the camera. You couldn't see the top. Maybe it chipped over uh, the top. Sometimes you have, okay, was it deflected? Was it not? I don't think it's automatically reviewable, but I, I don't know. So, I I'm fine if they did. If it. it was very close. I mean, listen, these yeah. are very important calls. Um, I'd have absolutely no issue if in a situation like that, they, you know, use the help of video replay um, to make it happen and to, to make sure that they're right. I think it's probably the right thing to do because these can be game-changing calls. Mm-hmm. But as far as the rule itself, uh, I have no time for the complaining about it because there's a reason why it was put in. I think it's probably the most fair book in the rule book because we all know the situation before it. Uh, and if you're worried about it, you know, don't uh, <laughs> don't take the chance that it might go out. Um, all right, we'll get Rima back in here in a minute. Before we bring Tim Campbell in, I want to shout out a few of our sponsors, beginning with our good friends at Not Autocorp with uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk on board since day one. Uh, I've been incredibly important in getting us to this point and have made many of our listeners, friends, family members happy with incredible new vehicles out at Not Autocorp. And by the way, Look at Remus with the beautiful graphics now for our reads. Holy smokes. There it is. You can see the uh, beautiful Not Auto Corp showroom at Waverly and McGillivray. Pop by there. See all the vehicles, including new Tesla stock coming in weekly. Uh, They'll also help you consign your vehicle if you're in a lease right now or have a vehicle that you're looking to move on from. Um, They'll do it all for you and get you max value for your vehicle at Not Auto Corp. Thanks again to Trevor and the entire Not Auto Corp team. No, they're pulling big time for the Winnipeg Jets now going into round number two. Of course, we do have hockey tonight. It's going to be a few days before we get to game night for the Winnipeg Jets. But every night's game night now with the Stanley Cup playoffs on. And Boston Pizza has you covered. If you're thinking about the game day deal with the spicy pierogi pizza, the pizza, uh, the meteor pizza, and the case of wings, be good for the family. Or this is my favorite right here, the pizza flights. I believe we've got, in fact, how you. this is how well I know the menu. Um, at the bottom, that is the spicy pierogi pizza. Top right, that is the meteor. And on the left is the bourbon barbecue chicken pizza, which, is, which has quickly become one of my favorites. That's the pizza flights, $18.99, three specialty mini pizzas, three dips. Um, fantastic for a couple people munching on during the game. And finally, a Royal Sports It's playoff time, and you know where to go. Get all your whiteout gear at Royal Sports. And I did see today, give them a follow on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina. Uh, They've got a promo right now uh, where they've got tons of new whiteout gear, as you can see. They've also got jerseys. And I mentioned the camping equipment that they have. They're also an official Yeti mug and cooler um, uh, location. They've got Jets Yeti. So right now, if you get a white jersey or white oak gear or a Winnipeg Jets Yeti mug, you'll also get a free car flag. And uh, it'd be nice to see a few more flags going uh, driving around the city. We've had some great parades. Maybe get the flags on there. You'll get a free one at Royal Sports if you get the Yeti Jets mug or white oak gear. Find out more. That's all right now down at 750 Pembina Highway. Shout out to the Royal Boys uh, for their support of us from day one as well. All right. 
Coach Paul Maurice coming up a little later on. Welcome to everybody in the chat, especially the new folks that maybe hadn't seen us beforehand. If you're here, hit the like button and make sure you hit that red subscribe button so you'll join us daily. Hit the bell as well and uh, you'll be notified when we go live. But just so you know, every day, 1 o'clock here on YouTube, we'll get it into your favorite podcast feed by 3 or 3.30 in the afternoon. Coach Maurice coming up a little later on, but right now, let's welcome in Tim Campbell from NHL.com. Tim has been covering covering this hockey team since... Ah, uh, the old days when the Oilers used to haunt the Winnipeg Jets, but that's all ancient history now, right, Tim? How are you? It's ancient, and I'm well. How are you today? Uh, I'm great. I'm more well-rested today than I was yesterday. I imagine that's the same for you. Hey, before we get to the Ditto. series, yeah. before we get to the series, I'm sure Pete, like, we saw Kenny and Rennie doing their show at about 3.30 in the morning from Bell MTS Place, still with 250 people fired up, wanting every bit of Jets action. What was it like for you? I know you were up quite late. You got a late game to begin with. It goes to triple overtime. It's the end of the series. For someone covering the series in your role, take us through the end of puck drop for the rest of the evening as to what you were up and how long you were up. Yeah, the the end of the game was, uh, was just kind of the start of it. Uh, for a lot of us, uh, and I was n- by far not the last one to leave the press box. Uh, I think it was about mm, about two forty-five uh, a.m. Uh, I certainly didn't have all my work done, but I just thought at that point of the uh, evening, morning, that I'd just be more comfortable working in my office at home um, since our, all of our deadlines had been blown, just like uh, just like all the Winnipeg, uh, the local paper guys, etc. So. When I, you know, got in my car in the parking garage and, and sort of swung through the alleyway to go home, and on Carlton Street, <laughs> there were still, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 people and 12 or 15 cars uh, with their lights blaring and their horns honking. And, you know, it's almost 3 o'clock in the morning, and they were waiting clearly for some of the players and coaches and uh, team people to be making their way home, and they wanted to clearly give them some support. So... They were just, uh, I don't, you know, I get, I got a couple thumbs up as I drove by, but you know, I'm nobody of consequence. Uh, uh, but I gave, you know, I waved to some of those people trying to encourage them, and I was just amazed that, you know, they were there in the middle of the night. Um, you know, it's really basically the only thing they can do to show the team sort of physically that they support them. Um, and I did observe most of them social distancing and you know, staying respectful distances apart on both sides of Carlton Street there. So I I don't know, it was just a mini scene for me, but um, certainly uh, had some impact for me in terms of the enthusiasm around the city. And, um, and you know, yeah, you're right. It was it was a long night. I got home, had some things to do. And um, I, I generally try to get to bed before the sun comes up, um, <laughs> but, but I did not make it on Tuesday morning. It was about 6.15 before I was able to get a couple hours sleep. So an exciting evening, kind of historical for Winnipeg, I think. Uh, I, I really don't know how much vanquishing of demons it was from the past because, you know, that past, Hustler, as you know, is so long ago. Um, but, you know, it's meaningful to a lot of people still in Winnipeg, that past. So um, to be able to write a new, uh, exciting kind of chapter with, with this playoff series, I, I think that's also meaningful to you know, to more experienced fans as as well as to newer fans who've, you know, really gotten invested in Jets 2.0. It's all exciting stuff for me. Um, and it's, I don't know, I, you tell me what you think, but I think it's kind of neat 
to have a new chapter to finally add to the old chapter because we haven't been able to add very many chapters here in Winnipeg in recent times. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. And the best part about it is the chapter had a different ending than every yeah. other one that we had in the past, which certainly if you're on this side of the... Huh. If you're around here geographically, probably a bit, more pal- a bit more palatable than maybe some of the endings to previous chapters in this long story. Hey, by the way, welcome to everyone. You know that what's to come. We're getting some Leafs crew in here in the chat, which is always oh, welcome. Dear. I see Leafs Nation here wondering, how can the rest of Canada not cheer for Canada's team? Well, they're going to be cheering against the Maple Leafs <laughs> for the Winnipeg Jets. This is going to be the one way we really do unite the country. And it's going to be the team in the middle of the country bringing everyone together. You're with us or against us. Uh, Anyways, welcome Leaf Station and everyone else in here. Tim, this series, it's still stunning that we're talking about a four-game sweep because of the razor-thin margin of all of these games. But in your opinion, for four games that were so close, how are we sitting here talking about, you know, a week off for the team and uh, figuring out who they're going to play in the second round right now? Well, here's my theory. Um, you know, the, the the precursor to this series was was uh, somewhat misconstrued, in in my opinion. I mean, I I'm on the record uh, for our NHL.com picks. I I chose the Oilers, um, and you know, I'd seen so much of uh, McDavid's A plus 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 game in the last twenty games of the regular season. Covered that extensively, and I just I just thought, you know, he was on this trajectory that it would be next to impossible to stop him or slow him down. And on that, I was wrong. Um, and I think that's what the series turned out to be that, um, you know, there was just too much, too much sentiment about what the last 15 or 20 games of the regular season meant. And um, I did write this on NHL.com after I believe game two, that um, I, I think universally, I'm not sure I saw this broken down anywhere that I was looking at, and I can't say I did an extensive homework project before it started, but you know that the Jets had lost nine of the last twelve games, which is an accurate statement. Um, but that's too easy, and that's it's. I don't want to say it's lazy, um, but if you just take that as the truth and, and that it's meaningful, you really miss the boat going into this series because the nine losses in twelve games did involve the seven-game losing streak. But after the streak was over. Um, I, I think you saw something different from the Jets, and the clues were there if you cared to look for them. Um, and and I believe my homework, you know, showed that just a very easy homework that in those last five games uh, there were only nine goals against, and one of them was into an empty net in a game which they lost because of uh, you know a couple. Of, I don't want to say they were fluky deflections, but you know, deflected goals. They weren't systemic errors or you know major blunders. It was a close game. Uh, that included an empty net goal, and that was against the Ottawa Senators. And the other game they lost in the last five was when the opposing goalie stood on his head, which has been known to happen a time or two in the NHL. So those things might suggest to you that the Jets' game was was changing or, or had somewhat changed from the losing streak. The players' comments were certainly leading you in that direction if you cared to listen. And so, um, you know, with that little bit of a style change, I think understanding what uh, Winnipeg was going to be facing in Edmonton, including Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. I think you saw Jets team changing its focus, and um, and to be noted, then uh, that's what happened in in the series. And um, I, I still hear some of these non-believing comments out of Edmonton. I you know I monitor the Oilers regularly. It's part of what I do at NHL.com, and 
Uh, even yesterday, I almost had to shake my head at, at hearing Leon Dreisaitl said if, say, and I do admire the belief and the, the will, but say if the series was played over again, he, he didn't see how it could turn out any other way but them winning. And like that suggests to me that he wasn't paying attention. I know on the ice you maybe don't see it the same as from above or it's hard to look at the result when you're, you know, you've just finished a really emotional end to it on their part, not good. But, um, you know, I, when you look at the, the series and play again, if it's played again, I, I would really suggest that, you know, if it was played again, the Jets would win 70 to 80% of the time. I, that's just the way it was played. I'm not saying the Oilers played poorly, but I think the Jets, you know, modified their game enough um, to, they didn't nullify Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, but they sort of evened the playing field in, in many ways and then let their depth, their superior depth, um, make a difference. And I, I'm not suggesting that maybe any one player on Winnipeg was was better than McDavid or Dreisaitl and, and their abilities in that series, but it's a team game, not an individual game. And I, I did go and look this up this morning uh, just so I wouldn't come on here and embarrass myself with you. But, uh, you know, to make my point about McDavid and Dreisaitl against the Jets, in the series, the Jets had more goals than the Oilers when Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl were on the ice. And that takes out the power plays, of course. So it's the old plus-minus stat. And I don't want I don't want people, you know, chasing after me because I brought up plus-minus somewhere in public, which you're not supposed <laughs> to do it. You're not supposed to do that anymore. But it's just a matter of who's on the ice for what goals. Um, the Jets were plus against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl at 5-on-5. Five five. Well, um, and, That and, should and, tell you so much about... Um, how the series went and what the Jets did. And I'll leave it at that. I think that's the most, probably the most important thing to know about the first round. And, you know, they can, they'll analyze it how they wish in Edmonton and Winnipeg, but that those are the facts of how the games were played. I know they were close. Um, no one's suggesting they weren't, but in each and every instance, the Jets found the way and the Oilers did not. And that's why Winnipeg's in the second round. You know, I'm glad you brought up those numbers uh, about Dreisaitl and and McDavid being on the ice because those were numbers that we did talk about a lot going into this mm-hmm. series. The fact mm-hmm. that McDavid had eaten the Jets' lunch. I mean, he had 22 points in nine games. I mean, that's like right. 20% of his <laughs> of the 105 points he had on the year, even more than that. Um, and a big part of that was at the expense of Mark Shifley's line. Um, your thoughts on how... Shifley, Connor, and especially Blake Wheeler stepped up and were up to the challenge in a way that we did not see in nine head-to-head matchups this season. Well, I think I think the answer is that um, it, it, the answer involves the word sacrifice, and and it's sacrificing some of their offense, um, which they clearly did. Although you can look at the stats and see, you know, they each had some points. I, I think. Maybe Wheeler had, did Wheeler have five points in the series? I don't have the stats right in front of me. Um, you know, and Shifley had three or four. And then that's essentially what Dreisaitl and McDavid had. So, um, you know, they just, but I think they figured out that, um, you know, those guys are, they're quick and they're ultra skilled and they're going to make their plays. But let's try to not, I, I, this quote from Paul Maurice sticks with me uh, very solidly from early, early on. Let's try not to help them. Let's try not to make it easy for them. Um, they're good. They're going to do their thing. 
but they don't need our help. All right. So I think that 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 philosophy and that strategy was very evident to me that they could recognize when Edmonton had the puck and was bringing it up. And if McDavid was getting going, there always had to be someone in the way or to try to, you know, not give him a straight line, 110 mile an hour runway to come attacking, you know, make him shift and go through two or three players or have to go off in a different direction a bit to do what he wanted to do. Now he did it. He did rush a numerous times in the series. And then, you know, the jets did their best to defend it by backpedaling and collapsing and what have you. But generally they were able to cut off a lot of the rushes um, and kill the plays before they became something really too dangerous. Um, And I, I honestly, isn't, isn't that really about what you can do against McDavid and Dreisaitl? Like, I, I don't know if that's the ultimate solution, but the Jets were very diligent with it. And the other thing, and I don't want to take credit for this um, observation, although I certainly did notice it, but um, maybe realized its importance. I had a, a nice chat with Louis DeBrusque, who's the, the color commentator for Hockey Night in Canada, who was assigned to the series. I had a chat with him uh, in one of the overtime or one of the late intermissions in game four. And he was just thoroughly impressed with how Winnipeg sticks and and getting things in the way of every Oiler trying to make a play. Um, he thought that was maybe the most impressive thing about Winnipeg's adjustment or performance in the series. And when you really think about that, uh, that's kind of what it comes down to, right? Getting in the way, disrupting your opponent, and then you know trying to do what you can do. So uh, thinking of that, I thought, well, okay, I need, I would like to find a bit of evidence for that in terms of the numbers, uh, even though I'm not maybe the world's greatest numbers person, but it, it's right there if you go looking for it. And after, and it was, I didn't look today to see if last night's results might have changed it, but I doubt it. But Winnipeg had 101 block shots in the series, and on, on a 60-minute average and a, like a per-normal game average, it was the most of any team in the playoffs. Um, so there you go. I mean, that's it right there that – um, you know, the, the Oilers tried, uh, but Winnipeg was in the way a lot of times. And I think um, with, the, with the talented forward group they have, and if you had said to me in your preseason preview hustler about the Jets, the forecast looking through, that they would become kind of an obstructionist team, not a, not a clutch and grab team or a slow it down team, because I don't think Winnipeg wants to play slowly. Um, but if you thought that might be their calling card at some point in the season, I would have maybe chuckled i'm not sure it would have gone to a full laughter but um but there you have it you know um what do they say horses for courses and then that would lead me to my you know to the ultimate reason and i i would think paul maurice and his crew ought to get some credit for this and I, i'm not sure how much of that i've seen so far or heard but again i'm you know kind of locked in my house like a lot of people but they came up with a pretty a pretty astute plan here and and you know the coaches don't execute it the players certainly execute it um, so the coach doesn't certainly ever get all the credit. He rarely gets the credit. He probably should. Uh, but he's certainly the first one everyone goes chasing after when they lose some games in a row. Um, so, I mean, that's my opinion on, on the series. They had a really, really good plan that probably was well-researched. And uh, more importantly, um, they were able to convince their players that this is how we ought to do things. And I think those players um, executed it pretty well. No, I would absolutely agree with you on that. And speaking of the coach, Paul Maurice, he's going to join us live in less than half an hour right now if you've just popped in. Really looking forward to that. 
you know, there, you know, I, I, you know, we've talked about that quite a bit over the last couple of days about the things the Jets did better than Edmonton. And but w- what's interesting, and this really does come back to coaching, Tim, is just how prepared the Jets were for how different the playoffs were going to be than the regular season. And certainly the experience, I think, of Maurice, but also experience of a number of players in the Jet locker room would go to that. Um, you mentioned the price that they were being paid when it came to block shots, sticks in the right way. The other thing that's uh, much harder, I think, to quantify, but anyone that watched what we just saw for four games as opposed to the last month of the season, I'm sure would agree, that the Jets' puck management was mm. light years ahead of where it was when they were struggling. And and I'm not sure that that, and I'm going to ask Paul about this, I'm not sure whether that boils down to a focus on doing this, basically adding the simplicity into the game that they needed to get back to that point and maybe making it a bit easier to to do that. But, um, you know, there was at times where just the simple decision-making seemed out of whack during that slump. And, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to find very many instances of the players. Sometimes things may not have been executed perfectly, but more often than not, pretty much exclusively, they were making the right decisions. And uh, I'd imagine the coach, you know, certainly would get some credit for that, but also the buy-in of the team accepting what their challenge was every night against Edmonton. Yeah, I would agree with that, Hustler. That's that's actually quite a good observation. Um, and you know, I think it's 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 a it's an element of game. It's an element of game watching that's underappreciated. I think. I, I mean, players they know how to play. They know what to do. They they know the things they should do. I mean, you don't get you don't get to the National Hockey League as a player if you don't know those things. I mean, that's that's kind of core stuff um, that probably shouldn't have to be reviewed too often if you're on an NHL team. But in watching a game, I think a lot of fans, um, you know, whether casual or serious, could would do well to pay more attention to what you just talked about. Um, how you take care of the puck, you know, and it, and it goes back to maybe that little point I made about not helping McDavid and Dreisaitl. I mean, you know, Dave Tippett made a really astute point to, uh, to my way of thinking yesterday about about turnovers. That you know, you know, we excoriate this player and that player for this giveaway and that giveaway, but watch a game and just write down every time one team hands the puck to another. I mean, a dump in is a giveaway. Uh, really, I mean, don't you know? Don't ever bring that up with Scotty Bowman. You'll you drive him around the bend. <laughs> Excuse me. So the puck changes hands so many times in a game, um, and so you know the idea is you know don't give it away more than you have to. It's not don't ever give it away. I mean that's a that's a dumb thing to say. Um, you know if you just say don't give the puck away because um, that that doesn't really fit hockey the way it's played today. It's don't give it away more than you have to. And, uh, you know, on the, I'm 100% with you on how the Jets took that and into the series. And they, you know, by and large, they didn't help the Oilers too much with giveaways, especially in the, in the dangerous areas. And, um, you know, sometimes you do. You, sometimes just getting rid of the puck to a safer area to fight another day or fight another minute on in the game is, is a great play um, when you're under duress. But... I'll dig a little deeper into what you said now. And I, I know I think this is something, again, we probably collectively as fans and others that watch the team probably don't give this team enough credit for, and that's that it, the game is, is fast. And there's, you know, as, as we get to the playoffs and approaching the playoffs, 
it, it's faster in that there's more pressure on you at every point of the ice. Like the teams are after the puck now all the time. There's, there's not so much passivity, although, you know, teams can drop back and maybe not forecheck as hard, but the pressure on the puck is hard everywhere on the ice. And so to be a good player in that circumstance, you have to be able to process, process what's coming at you when you have the puck and know what to do with it. And it's the, you know, it's kind of the old Gretzky thing. You've got to be able to see the game four plays ahead or, you know, in Gretzky's case, about seven, um, you know, and know what you can and might do with the puck and should do with the puck. So there's where I think some credit comes to the Jets players that, you know, they made a lot of those really good decisions, uh, pick the right options. And to be able to do that, though, I mean, it's easy for you and me to sit here and draw it on our little X's and O's and talk about it. But to do that under the duress of an NHL playoff game, you know, under the lights, I know the fans aren't there to create the noise, but the pressure is there nonetheless because we're talking about the Stanley Cup. Um, you have to be a good player. You have to have uh, reps in in making these decisions and making these being physically able to make these plays. So, look, the Jets players were able to make a lot of these good plays. Some of them, you know, unheralded plays. They'll never be on a highlight reel. Just getting a puck to safety sometimes when it's in in peril in your end. Um, you know, and and the Jets have the players who could make those plays enough in this series, and that that makes a difference more than folks know. And it, you're right to call it puck management, um, and and it's about reducing the amount of help you give the other team. Well, and, and the biggest part of that, and certainly the, the ones that will blow up on you, are in your own end. And we've been talking True. about the Jets' defense all season long. Can they get the puck out of their own end? Can they do all those things? And, you know, specifically to the Jet blue line, I think pretty much everyone stepped up and raised their level. I don't know if anyone did it more than Josh Morrissey. Um, you know, we've had talks about Morrissey's sort of up-and-down season. Um, this in my opinion, was the best that he'd played at any point this year. And, you know, we saw how much Paul Maurice relied on him. But Neil Pionk, um, you know, continued to make excellent decisions. And I, I don't know what we can say about this pairing of Tucker Pullman and Logan Stanley. But, Tim, I mean, that third pairing seemed to be such a cause of concern. Um, who was it going to be? How much were they going to play? What were they going to be able to do? And it was interesting they ended up with Pullman and Stanley because, I mean, by my count, they probably didn't play more than a period or two together all season long. And then there they are in game one, both being incredibly impactful to the game win, which I think was a great sign of what was to come. Um, Just thoughts on the Jet blue line and that third pairing and how much they played and how much they contributed to that four-game sweep. You know, a good good point. Um, You know, I I don't know how much – I I really don't know if you can draw the straight lines from from that subject to – you know, the result of four, a four game series, but uh, you can draw the line to the contributions and to upping the quality of play of, of the group in general. So here, here's my theory. And this, this will be definitely against the grain. Um, and, and, you know, I can, I can hear the criticism coming already, but like in a way it doesn't really matter who's together. I mean, you're always looking for the best chemistry, but, you know, when it comes to crunch time, you have to be able to have these unlikely matchups or pairings. So you're right. Um, Poolman and, and Stanley, not a lot of together in terms of uh, track record. Uh, but to me, uh, this is why the coach um, is important um, in terms of how the team looks. 
And, and this goes to the whole lineup, not just the defense. So all season long, the Jets were changing their lines and changing their D pairs. It, it was a regular occurrence. So there were, there were some hair on fire people uh, who didn't like that in terms of fans and media this year. I know it's, it's an obsession with some about who's on whose line and what the D pairings are. And to me, I, I don't know, this is something I learned to not ignore, but to learn to, you know, take less seriously a long, long time ago um, that if you really step back, uh, uh, you know, one or two steps that, you know, there are so few teams that keep the lines together all the time. Like you could probably count them on one hand in the NHL and probably less. Like everybody's changing all the time. It's necessitated by injuries, uh, by trades, by other roster decisions. You know, players have to play with more. If you can only play with one player, you're not getting to the NHL. Basically, that's that's how it works. You might find a good line mate when you get to the NHL, like Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler. But if Mark Shifley had come into the league and there was only one player on the planet Earth he could play with, um, like he wouldn't be in the NHL. It just would never have happened. So um, these players are adaptable. They're resilient. They they know how to develop chemistry. It doesn't work with every every teammate that they try it with, but it's certainly more than one. So the obsession with what the lines are sometimes is is way overdone. Um, of course, I pay attention to it because there's interest in it. But it, it goes the same for the defense pairings that you know to move them around. You know, Paul was changing things all season long, and I know there are a lot of people they don't like that. I guess change is hard for for all of us, including me. But in the end, that all of that changing um, develops an ability in these players to be adaptable and. I, you know, in the in the case of Stanley and Pullman, they they adapted. Like Pullman's played with lots of defensemen on the Jets. Um, you know, in his career, in his real in his real sort of career at North Dakota, he played a year at forward. Like you don't think he's not adaptable? Of course he's adaptable. Um, and when Logan Stanley has has opened a lot of eyes this year, and and I don't think he'd be an NHL player if he wasn't you know somewhat adaptable. So. Um, it didn't surprise me that those guys could fit together. And um, and yes, in the end, um, that those guys were able to continue to play was a help because if you look at their opponents who went down to four defensemen basically six minutes into the third period, um, you know, there's a there's a tax on that. There's a toll on that when you go to one overtime, two overtimes, three overtimes. And it, it's, not, uh, it's not a lack of willingness, but you could see in that three overtime game, Hustler, and I know you could see it, the pace declining and the oh. mistakes increasing. And, you know, to me, it was just, a, you know, I would just marvel to those players to be able to even move their legs in the third overtime and to think to do anything, you know, even somewhat correctly, because I mean, that's the beauty of overtime. The fatigue gets in there and it's always something odd that happens, you know, but it's bound to happen. And it's, it, you know, that it lasted that long the other night is a tribute to those players. Um, just, you know, it's an almost a, it's it's indescribable the skill and ability they have to carry on so long at such a high level uh, for you know for our enjoyment and entertainment. Uh, it was th- truly a thing to to marvel at. Well, and, you know it was, and you know the 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 concept of the Jets, you know maybe not having the super elite high end McDavid or Drysdale in their squad, but being a more deep team, I think really played itself out more than any in mm-hmm. game number four. Totally that, agree. And I mean, listen, part of it I get. I mean, Tips has his back against the wall. If they don't win, there's no tomorrow. So I mean, he's not holding anything in the chamber. But at the same time, 
when you go down to four defensemen early in the third period, go three overtimes, have Darnell Nurse play 15-plus minutes in the mm-hmm. first overtime period alone. I mean, you are tempting the law of diminishing returns. And until you get other players out, I mean, they didn't have a Peter Klima coming off the bench in the fourth overtime to be the hero. They just kept on rolling those guys. And from Maurice's perspective, he was able to roll three lines and had said that he was actually ready right before Kyle Connor scored the goal to actually get the fourth line out there. And that didn't seem to be an option that Dave Tippett felt comfortable considering the predicament his team was in. No, you know, and you'll notice like when they, they near the end of that penalty kill and then third overtime, uh, they did bring Ethan Bear. He did send Ethan Bear out to the ice and, and Ethan had not played since the, you know, a bit of a fatal giveaway in the third period, six minutes into the third period. He had, He'd not played in, you know, almost an hour of game time, uh, or maybe it was just a little over an hour of game time. And then that, he's a young player. That's that's got to be a hard thing to process to sit there through three periods and a little more. You know, I don't know what the clock time of that would be, like your watch time, not the not the score clock, and then be told by your coach to get out there. I mean, he he defended that penalty very well. He actually made a really good play to stop Connor you know, from trying to attack the net at near the end of that power play and was able to get the puck turned over and sent up to McDavid, who, you know, made that small error that, that Pionk was able to turn, you know, that little chip play to basically turn that puck right back up the ice to leave Connor open. So, I mean, Bear, you know, that was the first appearance in the game in more than, I think, in more than 60 minutes of playing time. Um, a really tough thing to do, and you know, but obviously Dave realized maybe the importance that, some of these guys I've sat down, I'm going to need to throw them out there. Like I think Jajar Kara came out to kill part of that penalty, and he too had been not on the ice for a long, long time uh, before he came out there. And to his credit, you know, was able to get the job done on that penalty kill for Edmonton. So hey, you're right. That's a it's a tough thing, but it 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 goes once again. Whatever the result, I mean that those players could go out there and perform like they did in such a long game, a taxing game, with such a cost. Never mind that they had played a crazy game the night before. Um, you know, it, it it will be a thing that sticks with me for a long time. Having you know been pre- been one of the very fortunate ones to be present there and watch it uh, with my own eyes. It was it was an amazing thing that triple overtime game. Tim, um, great stuff. One more question for you. We do mm. have. Uh, it seems like the Leaf fans or many of them have already moved on from Montreal and they're getting ready for the Winnipeg Jets and they're joining us here in the chat. Uh, mm. I'm not going to ask Paul Maurice this because he's not going to talk about opponent until they know they're playing the opponent. But let's for a minute just assume that the Leafs get this done. Winnipeg, Toronto. What do you think about the matchup? And I mean. We spent a lot of time talking about the regular season matchup against the Oilers, which didn't mean much. Um, certainly the Leafs are in a, a situation where they don't have John Tavares, which changes things a little bit. But looking into the crystal ball, um, just thoughts on the matchup, challenges for the Jets, and um, certainly what the Leafs are going to be bringing to the table, assuming they'll be down their captain and number two center. Well, the Leafs, I don't know. I think the Leafs are a deeper going to be a deeper opponent than Edmonton. Um, but I don't, you know, early, I haven't alert, can't say I've looked too hard at it. I really don't know that the Jets will will be required to make any drastic changes um, to give themselves the best chance. Now, you know, it'll be, a, it'll be a good question for the coach once the matchup is is set. But I don't, I, I just can't envision this week in the lead up to the next series beginning, you're going to hear anyone, Never, you know, never mind Paul Maurice. I don't think you're going to hear anybody 
on the Jets saying, oh, you know, yeah, well, that worked for Edmonton, but now we have to do this completely other different thing. No, that's, you know, the commitment to defense uh, and being conscientious with the puck, as you mentioned, the puck management. I mean, all of those things are going to run universal from series to series. Um, you know, the matchups, if there are going to be any, will be up to the coaches um, and how much they really and truly share in the playoffs. I don't know. Uh, you know, so I, I, I don't, I see the Jets as having a pretty easy, would never be the right word in the playoffs, but having a pretty straightforward week. There'll be some tendencies they'll, you know, re-familiarize themselves with, and then they'll just practice when they practice. They'll practice doing the same sorts of things, and that's, you know, trying to be uh, on top of the puck when they're defending, like always try to be between yourself uh, or your opponent with the puck and the goal, you know, be in the way as much as possible and, you know, play it hard uh, and make, you know, make the responsible plays. Don't help your opponent. I, I don't know. I mean, that's going to be universal if there's four rounds this season or whatever, for whatever teams that go four rounds, you're going to hear every coach saying that, but it's, you know, it's who will buy into it and take it to heart the most. Those are the things, you know, I'll be looking for. And then, you know, maybe some of the exterior or extraneous things I think will be, also similar for the Jets, so maybe familiarity will will help them. And that's that, you know, it's it's highly likely the Jets will find a lot of respect um, outside of you know their own city. I, I don't think the Oilers. I don't want to say the Oilers took them lightly, but you know, I don't I don't know that Edmonton or those who watch the Oilers much had much regard for the Jets or their chances. And I would expect a lot of the same thing in the next <laughs> round, wouldn't wouldn't you? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I just yeah. thought they might get a mention on an intermission or something, but yeah, yeah. yeah. But... <laughs> don't don't lose any sleep on it though. You'll 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 do better if you don't. I agree. Yeah. Tim, uh thank you so much for doing this. This is a great chat. Everyone in the chat that's love with it. us live on YouTube certainly loved it and uh I imagine you'll have lots coming up over the next few days looking ahead to game 2 and uh, a potential Jets Leafs matchup, but I guess we got to figure out what happens with game 5 tomorrow, but it certainly looks that way and uh if we had fun during this first round against Edmonton, just wait till things get going with the center of the universe. Yes. Well, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to more games, wherever they may be. Bring it on. Thanks so much, Thanks. my friend. Thanks, Great Austin. chat. There's Tim okay. Campbell. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at TimNHL and uh, read all of his fine work covering the Jets, Flames, Oilers in at nhl.com all right we if you're just popping in right now great to have you with us shout out to all the leaf fans that are with us this actually has been fun and um you know it seems like it's been pretty civil too so that's the way we like it uh i'd much rather have jets and Leafs fans having some fun going back at each other uh as opposed to like well covid takes and all that stuff so let's keep it the way it is respectful fun bring it on that's what we do here at winnipeg sports talk so welcome everyone that's new and if you haven't already hook us up hit the sub button if you will give us a like we'll do that um so coach paul Maurice coming up in just a few minutes do want to quickly thank a few of our other sponsors certainly nick and nikki dq group that is dairy queen niverville dairy queen northgate dairy queen polo park and dairy queen st anne's I think I mentioned yesterday, Popeye said hi to Nick and the gang, grab the drumstick blizzard. These are some of the wonderful blizzards that you have. But if you were going and you're a drumstick fan, you have to try the new drumstick blizzard. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, it pairs well with an ultimate grill burger, which um, I've said for a long time, maybe 
the most underrated. It's the Nikolai Ehlers of fast food burgers, the most underrated one on the market. Um, check it out, any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. And um, as I said, we'll do another couple Jets cakes at some point. But if you do have, um, you know, a birthday party, some sort of gathering that, well, a family gathering, I guess, right now, because there's no other gatherings, um, you can hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Nick and Nicky and their staff will uh, get everything you need for a custom-made cake and have it ready for you when you want to pick up. Thanks again to Nick and Nicky for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Now, Little Brown Jug, um, our brewing, brewing partners, very happy about this because, of course, they've just relaunched the new website, um, littlebrownjug.ca. They've made it easier than ever to order all the delicious Little Brown Jug beers, including the new Hefeweizen and the Summer Lager. Highly recommended, both of them available right now. Um, but also... Um, you know, we've got a couple of gift cards for the online store and uh, we'll direct you to our Instagram after the show today. We're going to have an Instagram contest where you can go on, make sure you're following us, tag a friend, and we'll be uh, loading up some people for a marble race on Friday. And I think we might do one as well at the end of today's show. So make sure you stick around for that. We'll grab some people from the YouTube chat, have some fun, and uh, hook you up with some delicious little brown jug. And don't forget, uh, you can also, if you want, get the uh, home delivery or you can pick it up at a uh, the Garden Center coming up on the weekend. Uh, they're going to be out. Uh, let me just make sure that I've got this right because... Uh, yeah, they're doing it at Shelberdine's Saturday and Sunday, 11 to 4. You can order online and say pick up at Shelberdine Garden Center in the cart and go right there. And don't forget, last chance to enter at any of the five bottle stop locations connected to Canada Inns before May 31st to win that delicious 1919 fridge contest. Just do a scan, do a post, and uh, you can uh, get in on that. Oh, and the Black Lager is on special right now for $3.36 a can. Find it at Liquor Mart, select beer stores or throughout the brand new website for home delivery and pickup. And I think we might even get a little uh, little gift package for the coach from Little Brown Jug as well. So big thanks to Dustin and the Little Brown Jug team for their continued support of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, and do have to give a shout out to Breezy Bend Country Club, our golf sponsor this year. Cannot wait. We just need to get this weather a little bit nicer. Not very pleased right now. Oh, there's a shot of beautiful Breezy. You can see that new patio right there. There's right. That's where we do do some of our best work right up there. Oh, you can't see it. Anyways, um, Breezy Bend. Check them out online at breezybend.ca. Waiting list growing for next year. If you're thinking about moving to an incredible private club, great junior program for the kids, uh, ladies program as well, really is the place to be for the whole family. Find out more with Corey. And speaking of Breezy and golf, before we get to the coach, and uh, Remo, maybe you want to come in for this. Tom Brady... And everyone knows I'm not a Brady guy. I am a Mahomes guy. Brady has haunted me for 20 years, so there's a lot of scar tissue on that. But Tom Brady's Instagram game is so good right now, he's slowly maybe even converting me. There's the announcement of the next edition of The Match. You remember originally it was Tiger and Phil. Um, you know, with people last year, Steph Curry and Brady were involved. Or Peyton Manning was in it as well. This year... It is going to be Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady taking on Bryson DeChambeau and Aaron Rodgers. And, well, for one day at least, I will be a Tom Brady guy. 
Um, but Remo, the best part about this is that Tom Brady, who, uh, listen, if listen, I know he's the greatest quarterback of all time right now. However, he is, you know, shooting to the top of best athletes on social media. We've all seen the hilarious memes that have come out of Brooks Kepka's disgust at his arch rival, Bryson DeChambeau, walking by and all the memes that have spurred from it. Um, now it seems it's Tom Brady making memes about Aaron Rodgers and Bryson DeChambeau and having a heck of a lot of fun of that. So that was just announced today. We'll look forward to having a lot of fun. Yeah, here, here is one. So these are actually tweeted out by Brady. Bryson, happy to be here. Aaron realizing he has to whole, spend the whole day with Bryson DeChambeau. So hopefully Brady still has some more of those in the chamber as we get for, as we go forward to the match. But again, our focus right now is entirely on the Winnipeg Jets four-game sweep of the Edmonton Oilers and looking ahead to round two. And um, couldn't be more happy to welcome in for the first time on Winnipeg Sports Talk the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, Paul Maurice, who joins us right now. Paul, thank you so much for doing this, and uh, congratulations. Uh, I, I imagine going into these this series, you didn't anticipate that you would be I'm talking about a series that's over after four games, and yet, uh, yet here we are. First off, congrats. Yeah, thank you very much. No, you're you're right. Like you go into those that series with the team, and they had just a wonderful year. You know, when they really did make great strides in their game, uh, we didn't think it before, and it doesn't feel like it, right? We get through um, four game sweeps, uh, don't feel like that. That was uh, felt like we played ten games, and it was a grinder every one of them. Well, um, you have to say the least, and I mean the dip the difference in each game was about yeah. as razor thin a margin as they come. I mean, how would you describe that series? Because listen, for Winnipeg Jet fans for the next 20, 30 years, they'll all be saying, hey, that was a sweep of the Edmonton yeah. Oilers. But when you dig right. into it, um, you're talking about, um, you know, a very fine line between winning and losing in each and every of the four yeah. games. Yeah, and I, and I think maybe if, if we had an advantage in the series, it was the comfort level in, in that expectation, right? We go in as the underdog. They've got, got a, you, you know what's funny about that series is you're not surprised by McDavid and Dreisaitl, I mean, or Nurse for that matter. Um, and then you get behind the bench and it happens every once in a while. Oh, these guys are even better than you think, right? Like they are so dynamic every time they touch the puck. And you think every time they come up the ice, they come up with control. Um, and we did a a fantastic job of, of limiting maybe their options in the game, but it still didn't matter, right? They're still going to get those chances and they're going to get to your goaltender and Connor was so very, very good and he needed to be. So you, you're not sitting through, sometimes you get into a game or a playoff game and your expectation that something's going to happen in the next five minutes isn't really that high, right? But those guys come out and you're thinking, well, got to pick the right words, but oh man, something could happen right now because they got the puck. Uh, which made for a very, very exciting. I mean, the only thing that that series was missing was our fans and how much they would have enjoyed it. Um, just on the fans, um, that, and we've heard that from some of the players. I mean, you have these incredible, I mean, you know, certainly for Winnipeg Jets in this franchise, historic yeah. wins, a huge series. And um, I mean, I'm, could you feel the support of people from outside of the building in the community right now? Because it was well, a very strange, a strange situation for people basically at home by themselves or simply with right. their family and, you know, connecting maybe through social media or something like that because there wasn't any other option. But did, right. did, did you and the team feel the support? So it's so different 
so for for those of us and a big chunk of us were here in 2018 and and the program feeds running the TVs throughout the room. So you can see we got 20,000 people standing outside the building before the game even starts. We'll let another 15 in here, and it's just nonstop, right? And you get a coffee in the morning, and that's all anybody's talking about. So you're immersed in it. And then, I mean, you can feel it more because you know it's there, right? You've kind of been through it. And, and yes, the, the social media and, and probably with our families at home, uh, there's even more phone calls because they're not watching the game with people, right? It's everybody that's connected to you is 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 contacting you. It's just too bad. Like what we were talking about it yesterday. What would it have been like for the fan that had season tickets that went to both games, right? So yeah, after you totally wore them out with a comeback win in overtime, you brought them back and made them sit through five periods of that. There'd have been a whole lot of people not going to work the next day and probably feeling a little bit like we did today. We're still recovering. Well, I have a feeling that was the case, uh, regardless of whether people were in the building or not. Head coach Paul Maurice of the Winnipeg Jets with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I want to talk more about the series, the overtime, and, and looking ahead. But just before, I, I want to back up for a minute because um, it was I mean, obviously a very successful season. I mean, for all intents and purposes, yeah. you and your team had, you know, basically clinched a playoff spot with about six minutes, right. uh, six weeks left in the regular season. And then... You know, the final month included a seven-game losing streak, right. losing nine of ten. And, you know, I think back to a few very key moments, probably the 6-1 loss to Edmonton. Paul Stastny speaking about where the team was, some of the things that they've been doing catching up. And you on a few times had said, you know, we really hope that this is something that can make this right. team better and more prepared for the playoffs when it's really going to count. I mean, take us back to, to maybe the middle of that slump, the 6-1 game, and what was it or how were you, the veterans, able to kind of turn that thing around and yeah. get going in the right direction, but then still come out for game number one almost as if none of that had ever happened? Or did it just make you better? Yeah, it was no doubt it was a fortunate losing streak if that's that's how I'll describe it because it set up all the things that we need to do to set up. So we were um aware that so you've got four or five things going on any given night your goaltender your power play your penalty killing your five on five play those kind of things and we had all of them kind of slide sideways at the exact same time and it really made you focus on kind of the one or two things that that would get you back going and those things we were giving up an awful lot off the rush when you looked at the six one game to edmonton um I mean, that was a critical loss for us because you didn't even have to explain it to anybody. You could go in and just show and say, we just can't do this and have any expectation of winning. And then we started working on that really hard and and you could see it coming. And then you also knew that Connor Hellebuck um, was going to bounce back. It's just he, he got into a grind with the rest of the team and that our special teams, Adam Lowry had been injured. He came back into our lineup. So then a bunch of really kind of key things changed for us. But most importantly, the room just dug in onto two or three things that we were going to need to do to win the playoffs. And, and I'm not sure that we would have gotten the focus on those things as hard if we had won five or six or seven and, and gone into Edmonton and be willing to trade chances with those guys and give them just a little bit more room. And then we wouldn't have, you know, we probably wouldn't have beat that team. So. It was used well by our veterans. It was used well by our team. It wasn't easy to go through, but there was never a sense of panic. Because the one thing I, I've said all years, I think this is a smart team. 
think they have smart veteran leaders and they can sit on the bench and they can see it on the ice and they understand what's going on. So you, you don't have to spend as much time convincing them. So they got they got it figured out real quick and, and we got better where we needed to. Yeah, and no better example of that than um, you know what your top line was able to do, both yeah. offensively, but maybe more importantly, defensively. And, you know, like, listen, we talked a lot about the success that McDavid had against your club in the regular season. Um, we just had Tim Campbell on, and, you know, at five on five, they were actually minus for the series, the top guys against your right. players. Um, and I know the matchup changed a little bit once Ehlers and Dubois came in and you had an opportunity with the last change to go a little bit more with the Lowry-Cop-Appleton line. Right. But I'd just love like you to talk to about the way that top line, Shifley, Wheeler, and Connor were able to rise to the occasion, not necessarily about scoring goals, and they had some beauties in the series, but more in what they needed to do to not be um, seeing the red light go on behind right. Connor Hellebuck. And, and it was sacrifice, and I thought it was all of game two. That was as good a game as Mark Shifley's played here in a, in a very, very long time. Um, and they had some chances in that game to score that didn't go for them, and it didn't matter because their priority won. We let that matchup happen, and I, and I wasn't pulling that line off. And again, we at that time, you know, Dubois just comes in, and Ehlers isn't there, so the rest of our group looks different. So we kind of needed that matchup to happen, and they got an awful lot of confidence with their game. Um, and then when we got home, I left that matchup to start game three straight through two periods because we had won two games on it and, and I didn't want to get away from it. Um, and we're also still testing Nick Ehlers to see where he's at. Uh, so then we get into the third period of game three and it gives you the opportunity to move away from it. Um, but Mark Mark's line uh, in game two were, were the driver in that. Clearly, Connor Hellebuck shot a performance. But in terms of what the players were doing on the ice, they sacrificed their offensive game to play a grinding defensive game and, and got real comfortable with it. Uh, uh, Paul, I want to ask you about the blue line. Um, from my perspective, I love yours on this. Josh Morrissey played the best hockey of his entire year, a year that was up and down at times and had some yeah. unique challenges in this series. Neil Pion continues to you know really you know show the world right. what a quality defenseman he is. And then you have a third pairing of significant contributions from Tucker Pullman coming back into the lineup and Logan Stanley, who's maybe been one of the best stories of the Winnipeg Jets season so far. Um, you know, we don't know you can single somebody out, maybe just speak about the defense overall, but the yeah. way everyone raised their level of play in this series um, against Edmonton. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Like in, the, in your right, each one of them is a story. Um but Josh Morrissey did – what Josh did was he kind of combined his experience. So if you go back two years, he's playing with Jake Trouba at the time. He's still young, but we run him against the other team's best. And that's where he got that experience, and he really excelled. But there really wasn't much of a thought in his mind of anything beyond that, right? He wasn't running a power play. We had Buffalo and Trouba running the back ends of the power play. And now it's changed for him. So what he was able to do is put the two kind of worlds together. He's on the power play unit now. He puts up numbers and he was able to do what he had done a couple of years ago against the other team's best play against the best player in the world, the top two offensive players in the world, get that job done. And also that like that fourth goal is certainly we talk about the overtime winners, but the fourth goal, the goal that he scores might be the most important goal in some ways of the whole series, because it gave us a chance to get to a place that we've been pretty good. It's overtime. And you don't like, we really felt game four, neither team had a whole lot of energy left. And the idea of having to get on a plane, like you lose game three then you're in trouble in game four uh, and you get back on a plane, 
the next day going to Edmonton after both teams went through it, then they would have had a huge advantage on game six. So I looked at the Morrissey goal as kind of the critical goal of the series, which um, is funny because we had three overtime. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense what I'm saying, but that goal uh, changed the series as much as the power play goal on the ultra bold penalty. Um, speaking of overtime, I mean, we have lots to talk about considering there was three of them in this series. I'm wondering, from a coach's perspective, is the job of coaching different in overtime as opposed as it is to, you know, the first yeah. three periods of a playoff game? And are there things you're looking at or paying more close attention to, like minute-by-minute minute yeah. shift than you might be in the first 60? It, for sure it changes. And what's funny about that is anything that I would tell you that you're looking for that's important in terms of the coach's role didn't happen in the in the triple overtime game because because it was such an unusual team that we're playing. So you're looking to get everybody involved. You want to make sure you get your matchups right, but you got to get these guys off the bench. And they shut their third their fourth line down or late in that game. And you're always waiting for an opportunity. I got to get Thompson. I got to get Lewis off the bench. So I started working parole back into the lineup. Um, and normally I would have, but I didn't. And and I and I'm sitting there and going that you know they basically they put their whistles away and I thought they did a good job managing the game the referees they get the one penalty and the double overtime that was in the stands so you're thinking well what happens now if we take a penalty and I've got Thompson and Lewis have been sitting on the bench for an hour and a half so I had Thompson up um, the shift after Cal Connor scores his goal Thompson was coming out because I had to get him back into the game so I was waiting for. David line to come out and I was going to run Thompson in behind Shife on that, on that shift. And, and then there was no other shift to send me in video for. So it was good. Paul Maurice, head coach of the Winnipeg Jets with us here on Winnipeg sports talk daily jets awaiting their second round opponent in the Stanley cup playoffs after a four game sweep of the Edmonton Oilers um, coach, you know, without fans in the building, it was sort of funny, you know, with these huge wins and in, in overtime, they don't have the crowd shots. So they go to the players and they also go to the bench. And, you know, we saw a pretty epic Rennie Rancourt-style quadruple fist pump after the Ehlers goal. Yeah. Uh, I think Greeley Dreamus is going to show that one up. Um, the game 5-1 was, or sorry, the game 4 was a little different. There's a lot of hugging because it's over. Yeah. i got to ask you from your perspective, how, I mean, you have the immediate joy of winning the game, but you're still in the middle of a series. I'm sure your mind immediately goes to, okay, what's yeah. next? What's what was the difference between your reaction and level of relief, shall we say, from the game four OT win as opposed to games two and three before the job was finished? Yeah, I think just the overtimeness, like the comebacks are different, right? Like those kind of games take on a completely different level. And I don't like you got a job to do back there as a coach, and you're part of it, but you're not any different than the fans about the excitement of your team winning, right? Like you're, and I don't mean that it's my team as the head coach. I mean, it's my team, the one I'm cheering for, right? So <laughs> it's exactly like the guy or the girl in their living room that was jumping around, losing their mind. I'm no different than them, right? And then you try to compose yourself a little bit and get off the bench so that you don't get on camera doing that. But um, yeah, I mean, I enjoy it. Like, like you're, you're holding your breath like everybody else, right? You're, God, you want to win so bad, and then it's a comeback. That one's different in terms of where your emotions get to. When you when you win a game that's in regulation, um, and you know even even if it's a goalie out situation, you're kind of working right up until the end. You get your next two or three shifts planned, and you're timing out the rest of the game, so you can almost feel that coming. But overtimes, 
you don't want to know when the next shift is. So it's a completely different animal and it's a whole lot more fun. Hey, coach, how different is the just the the play your your routine and the way you speak to the players? Uh, how often you do from the playoffs to the regular season? And I'm wondering, in well, we've had the last three games have all been overtime. Um, what's going on in between the third period and OT? Or if you're going to a double OT, um, yeah. are you in the room? Are you talking to the guys in between? Is that the players? Like, what happens? Like, what do we not see when you're yeah. going to overtime or in between overtime periods? So nothing would change um, in between periods from the regular season. I mean, the mentality is completely different because in the regular season, you're molding and shaping and you're probably grumpier, right? Like you're pointing out the problems and mistakes and kind of, so it's a different it's a different feel when you're walking into the room in a playoff game. If there's mistakes being made, it's something you got to fix, right? So it's not you're not calling a guy. You're saying, "Listen, we got to watch this. They're 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 hitting us in the middle or whatever it is that they're doing that you're not." So it's a different attitude. Um, and if you don't really have anything to say, there's at very least a change in end zones. So second periods, especially against a team like. Uh, Edmonton, you've got to be aware of they change certain things that they do. So you'll go in and give them reminders and then just, you know, it's it's so positive for the most part with your team, with the way they're playing. You're kind of pumping tires and, and uh, reminding them of, you know, how it's happened. I mean, we beat the goaltender on three clean shots. One was a faceoff. The other was an outside rush. We both down the right side of the ice, but the puck's in the net because we made a decision to put the puck at the net, not wait for somebody to join the rush, not not look for a better play. The puck just goes to the net. So you kind of leave them with that idea. Everybody's a shooter. Everybody's an overtime hero, right? And uh, if it's on your stick, you can be that guy. So you're, you're, you're reinforcing things and then you're talking about... So I would talk to the team. There'd only be a handful of times during the regular year you don't go in between periods, and that's usually because you had a lot to say on the bench and there's nothing left to say. And those are usually not happy moments. Um, but you're in the room and then you, so it'll be early. Like every coach is different when they go in, I go in around the middle of the intermission to give them their time to, to get back out and talk amongst themselves. And I keep it real short most times. Um, Paul, just a couple more for you. Uh, it relating to overtime, I won't bother asking about a second round series when you don't know the opponent. Right. That, I I, that I'm sure you'll talk about that at some point when you know who you're playing. Um, but listen, you've done this for a long time. You've been on the bench for a lot of games, a lot of playoff games. Where does that comeback in Game Three rank with um, the the wildest that you've ever been involved in? So there have probably been three of that I would really remember. One of them's Nashville here. You know, we got down, but that was really, really early in the game. And then halfway through the game, we're right back in it. We had a game in um, in Montreal in the and we were down three nothing going into the third. Scored early though, and then Mike Terrian was coaching the uh, and he was wearing a yellow jacket. All right, so the Habs get a call against them, and Kerry Fraser's doing the game. And Mike gets up on the bench, and he's waving his arms, and he's going ballistic, and Kerry gives him another penalty. And we t- and we scored to make it 3-2, scored. It's funny how hockey works. We scored late. Ron Francis is on the team. We scored late in the third period to tie the game. So everybody's berserking. And it's a little bit like last game. Like, I'm on the bench. I've got my third line on the ice for an offensive zone draw. And he changes and he puts his fourth line on the ice. And now I am cursing myself on the bench because I know Koiv was coming off the bench next, which means I can't put my fourth line on the ice, which means I've missed him again. And you're in, and I've been running three lines hard to come back. But we win the faceoff. 
Joe Wasichek wins the face off back to Nick Wallina. I, I think it bounced three times and it got through like <laughs> nine bats. But we win that. They called it in Carolina. They called that the miracle on Molson. And, and then Montreal was never the same team. So we get into that game. And like I really thought after that comeback when there was a chance that we could catch Edmonton here and this wouldn't be much of a game. But to give them credit, I mean, they pushed, and that's true. Like McDavid and Drysaddle and Nurse drove that team the next night. Like they, those guys are special players, and we're very fortunate to have to have eliminated them. And I don't think four nothing is is a proper or fair indication of how that game went. Um, Coach, this has been so much fun having you on. Sure. Uh, needless to say, everyone in the chat's all fired up. Can't wait to see what comes next. But the final question for you, and this is actually a non hockey question, but okay. it's somewhat connected to it. So, game four, you go to triple overtime. I don't know what time Kyle Connor scored, but it was after one in the morning. Right. You come back out, the players speak, you do your media. So you're probably finished at like two in the morning. You've yeah. still got that buzz from the game. Right. Th- then what do you do? How long does it take you to decompress? Like, what time did you get to bed that night? And did you actually sleep in for once after after uh, after yeah. that game on uh, on Monday? You know what's funny about that is, like, after some of the biggest wins of the year, you get on the bus and it's dead quiet. And you would think we lost, but there's a fatigue that sets in right away. So you sat back in the coach's office and we just kind of stared at each other, right? Like, it was <laughs> talked about the next day. I got home, it was about quarter after three and my family was still up because they were still, which is, you know, rare. It's probably about four o'clock that we went down and yeah, you know, we work early here. Like this is a really early morning job. Like we, most of us, I think get up between five and five thirty and you come to the rink. So, but no, I didn't, I didn't get here till about nine o'clock or 10 o'clock the next day. So I, I did, I don't know if I slept very well, but, um, I slept happy or didn't sleep. It didn't bother me a bit. If I wasn't asleep, I was in a great mood. So it was uh, one of those, one of those days. And some nights you can sleep happy and some nights you don't sleep when you're, and you're grumpy. But I was in a pretty good mood. I'll tell you what, we had a whole city that um, needed yeah. a little bit of extra sleep, maybe an afternoon nap yesterday. Yeah, um, Coach, congratulations. Um, people you. are fired up. Can't wait to see what happens in round two. Really appreciate you joining us. And uh, My pleasure. I know we'll have a, maybe hopefully there's 12 more wins to come. So our friends at Little Brown Jug, we're going to send over. You can have a celebratory one. We'll make sure there's 12 Sounds for perfect. 12 more W's. Perfect. Thanks very much for having me. I enjoyed it. Hey, thanks very much, Coach. There he is, Coach Paul Maurice of the Winnipeg Jets, joining us on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. And yes, I did uh, talk to our friend uh, Dustin over at uh, Little Brown Jug. They were fired up that the coach was on. And I said, well, you know what I mean? Actually, if we sent over 16, could quickly take down four that have already been earned and then a victory beer for the next 12, uh, 12 wins. Who knows? Anyways, honestly, thanks to Scott Brown for making that happen. Um, it's been a while since I had a chance to uh, to get the coach on the program, so I'm very appreciative of it. And to be honest with you, I've got to thank so many Jet fans with us here that have been with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk because I think if we hadn't had the response um, and turnout every day of people you know, wanting us and to join us talking about the Winnipeg Jets, um, we probably haven't had the incredible guests that we've had so far from the hockey club. So many thanks to Roll Out after uh, having the coach on. Let's get Remus back in here. What a show we've had today. Huge numbers in the chat as always. And um, pretty awesome chat with the coach. And, you know, it's all about timing. I mean, Paul Maurice is um, an experienced veteran. I mean, he's all business, but 
to have this opportunity to get him on today with a little bit of downtime before the next round was almost the perfect time to have the coach. And, um, you know, he's always great in front of a microphone, but it's even cooler to uh, be able to hit him with some of the questions we've heard from some people uh, here in the chat room over the last few days and uh, talk to him about that big win and uh, maybe some of the things we don't normally get out of the pressers after the games. Yeah, that was a good... I was curious what you do after a win like that. It sounds like he just was a normal day for him. He came to work maybe a bit later, but uh, I thought he, maybe he would like sleep in till like noon or something after you know go through that kind of series. But uh, great, great insight. And yeah, thank you to everyone uh, in chat who's come in and uh, chatted because you know because of that we we're able to you know have uh, you know guys like Paul Maurice and before Stasny Ehlers uh, cop on the show. So. Uh, that was uh, that was pretty cool and and awesome to have everyone here. You know, Paul Maurice is always uh, great with the media, telling some great stories there about time in Carolina, and just talking about uh, you know the team this season. So a um, lot of lot of fun and great again, great seeing everyone in chat. Thank you so much. All all the likes, the thumbs ups, the subscribes. I know there's some Leaf fans in there. House, I did have to address one question. Someone said why. Are there so many Leaf fans? I'm like, well, they know to, where to go for good sports talk. That's the only yeah, reason. Great answer, Reed. Yeah. That's a great like, answer. They, and, uh, they know where know, to go. So they're probably a little more interested in the Winnipeg Jets right now, and uh, than they were last week. Um, and again, you know, we'll wait for the Leafs <laughs> to finish the job. But certainly at this point, I think we're expecting a battle of winnipeg and toronto and listen i've seen some of the the chats back and forth of the jet yeah. fans and leaf fans in here and as i said we love it all kate stay in here just be respectful let's have some fun mm-hmm. don't be jerks and uh you know this is why we're here i would say for the most part today is uh compared to yesterday it's been a oh, rain man with the super chat this is hey what up rain man thank you uh for celebrate most, having maurice on the show yeah for the most part i think it's been pretty civil i mean i don't you obviously can't do any like racist comments or derogatory terms, or I don't appreciate when you you know call other chatters names. But I mean, healthy debate about hockey among fan bases, I think, I think is welcome. And 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 yeah, as long as it's it's fine. Um, you know, I'm I haven't had to do anything today, so it's been good. I'm you know delete a couple comments, but I, I appreciate everyone in chat who's uh keeping it real over there. No, it's great. And I'll tell you what, I'd far rather have uh, Jet fan and Leaf fan going back at each other, having some fun banter in the chat than uh, anti-vax Al and COVID Karen going head to head with their hot takes on everything. So this has been a great, great day. Um, And I imagine this is going to continue to be uh, the way it is, certainly for the next few weeks with uh, interest and excitement building before round two, certainly here in Winnipeg, and especially if it is the Jets going up against the Leafs Nation. Um, it, we know there's lots of Leaf fans out there, so certainly everybody welcome to come in, hang out. But just, as I said, house rules, be respectful, uh, use your head, and uh, we're here to have some fun, talk hockey, and uh, enjoy each other's company, um, not troll people. So um, overall, going great so far today, uh, and loving what we're hearing and seeing from uh, the vast majority of everybody that has been with us. Um, we've got a couple things to get to, Reem, before we finish up the program. Uh, and one of them is our cool bet lines as well as our picks for the track tonight at Assiniboia Downs. And again, I'm doubling up tonight. My bets were wiped out by weather. Remus went in race one, did not get a W. So maybe I've got a chance to to make a bit of a move here on uh, on Remo after his big opening day of victory. But... Let's get to cool bet. We've got three game sixes tonight in the Stanley Cup playoffs. 
Um, and and just actually before we mention that, Remo, pop back in for a minute. What this Carolina Nashville series has turned out to be an absolute classic. Um, you know, we'll be talking about the three overtime games that led to a four nothing sweep for Winnipeg over Edmonton. Um, Nashville's gotten right back into this series in overtime, back-to-back double OT wins. And then last night, it was the Canes at home having to score in the third period, come back, and then have the captain, Jordan Stahl, give them a huge win in the always important Game 5. Yeah, I'm really pulling for Carolina. I don't want them to make me look bad. I picked them to win the cup in my bracket. Uh, I just didn't want to pick uh, Colorado. And I do like what they've done. I like Rod Brindamore, but... I think this is a bit of a closer series than we thought. The other game went to overtime as well. Matt Duchesne out of nowhere uh, with the OT winner. So, uh, yes, game, uh, they'll be playing, what, tomorrow night, game six, Carolina in Nashville. Um, We'll see where that goes. I think a lot of pressure on Carolina. They've made a a lot of moves. I know Dougie Hamilton's a free agent after this. Rod Brindamore as well, although I think it seems like he's probably coming back, although you you do have Ron Francis in Seattle kind of, looming overhead Until right now. they have a coach or Brindamore yeah. has a contract, I am holding out on that. And that has got to be, listen, I think Brindamore wants to go and win a cup and be able to say, all right, listen, my price is a lot more. Because Tom Dundon has said in the past, not really interested in paying a premium or top dollar mm-hmm. for coaching management. And well, if I'm Rod Brindamore, I'm like, okay, that's your choice. And my choice would be to go somewhere else where they're going to pay me uh, the way I should be being paid for being one of the top coaches in the National Hockey League. Um, he'll probably win the Jack Adams, I would think, although there has been some really strong coaching jobs this year. But Rod the Bod, pretty much at the top of many people's list and certainly one of the contenders. And I'm pumped, Reem, too. That win was huge for me in the hockey pool. Um, I, I split my picks amongst three teams, Avalanche, Canes, and Jets, and I was able to get the Jets late, like Shifley, Wheeler, Stastny, Pionk, all on the squad. So um, we could go ten for ten, which is almost like that's like in a DraftKings golf. You know, having six of your six, six of your six golfers make the cut. Very, very big going forward. So we'll do that. Now, listen, Reem, you bring up HPI bet. You take a look if you haven't got your picks ready. You do that while I get to CoolBet.com and break down our lines for tonight in the National Hockey League. And how much is the Coliseum going to be rocking on Long Island? Already have incredible, incredible fans, and they have been boisterous, to say the least, since coming back to the barn and welcoming the Islanders back for the playoffs. Elimination game tonight for the Islanders able to bounce the Pittsburgh Penguins for the second consecutive time when they've met. Of course, last year, it was the Montreal Canadiens that did the, uh, (laughs) had the honor of bouncing Crosby and the Pens from the playoffs in the bubble. Uh, But the year before, it was a shocking sweep for the Islanders. So Pittsburgh can push it to seven and bring the series back home tonight with a win. Islanders can shut it down and it's a pick them. Minus 106, Penguins, minus 106, Islanders, a straight-up pick for Game 1. That game is going to get going a little early, 5.30 Winnipeg time. Then at 7 o'clock, we get the Battle of Florida. Spencer Knight, the rookie, getting another start after Bob and Chris Drieger have already gotten their opportunity. Staved off elimination in Game 4. Panthers now on the road looking to get it to 7. They are an underdog, plus 117. And the Tampa Bay Lightning, a favorite of minus 133. And then to finish it off, 8 o'clock start in Minnesota. 
It's the Vegas Golden Knights and the Minnesota Wild. Vegas, a favorite to win the series, minus 120. Minnesota Wild, plus 106. But Reem, the Wild, I think, are going to have a lot of momentum coming into this game, having, you know, staved off elimination with a pretty gutsy performance in Game 5 when all of us were glued to Game 4 between Winnipeg and the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, we definitely uh, have missed, you know, missed some of those other games while focusing on the Jets game. But I had said, you know, Minnesota was one team that I thought could upset uh, Vegas. I mean, they've played very well. They're just in a real tough division. If they had maybe a better draw where they don't have to go up against possibly the two best teams, um, you know, maybe they could go a bit farther. But Minnesota's always been a team, Huss, you know, that kind of gets in the playoffs out in the first round. Um, they're definitely a different team, a younger team, more dynamic team than we've seen in the past. And they're and they're definitely giving um, Vegas a run. So what is that? Is that one tonight here? Yes, you were just showing me the line. 8 o'clock p.m., sorry, home at uh, the Excel Center. So... Uh, that's a nice late one. I think I'll, I'll probably tune into that one tonight. The Florida, I mean, all these uh, series have been low key great. Islanders, Penguins, back and forth. I mean, um, I guess that's a nice uh, five thirty start too. Props to the NHL for staggering uh, the times very nicely. Yeah, here for tonight. sure. Um, you know, just quickly, NBA playoffs are going on. I know we haven't talked a lot of hoops with all the excitement around the hockey, but there are three games tonight. The Wizards are eight point dogs at Philly. Hawks and Knicks go at it. Knicks uh, minus one and a half at home at the Garden. And the Memphis Grizzlies, 10-point dogs at the Utah Jazz. Interesting to note, Reem, I was talking with Dustin on the uh, lock shop about the NBA playoffs and gave out the Mavericks series over the Clippers. They were plus 320 to win the series. And Luka Doncic, pretty much single-handedly, two wins in L.A. And the Mavs have a 2-0 lead coming back home. Can you imagine if the Clippers go out in the first round and this is the two years they get for all that they put in to get Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, all the picks and everything that they traded to make that happen, to be bounced in the first round by a 20-year-old European phenom? I will say that Kawhi Leonard, and this is what I know from collecting NBA Top Shot, um, he and (laughs) Paul George are hated. Nobody wants to own their cards. Kawhi Leonard has uh, totally, you know, ruined, you know, his public, uh, you know, the public opinion. We know he's an all-time, you know, great player. Uh, won championships in Toronto and San Antonio, but no, like, no, he doesn't have a fan base behind him anymore. No one, no one likes him. He's that guy, you know, kind of made the whole hoopla to leave, uh, go with the Clippers, and uh, the Clippers are never going to be good. I think this kind of seals it. If you, if you, uh, if you thought that before, it just confirms everything you thought about about the Clippers. So. Um, uh, yeah, that's, I guess that's one storyline to definitely be, uh, be tuned into. Well, um, I'll tell you what, it, this goes back to going to LA, but then I don't know if you saw, you know, he signed with New Balance. He's like a New Balance guy. Yeah. And there's a massive billboard campaign with, with him and a New Balance, um, uh, t-shirt. And it just says, this is his city. And you can imagine how Laker fans yeah. who are very passionate feel about that. The Clippers have always been sort of the little brothers. So um, anyways, pretty interesting on that. Has been some great nights. I think I'm going to check out this Knicks game. Um, and again, uh, listen, R.J. Barrett, Canadian player on the Knicks. It's just cool to see the Knicks relevant again. Tom Thibodeau did such an amazing job coaching them this year. All right, let's get to our uh, picks. HPIbet.com, folks, is where you want to be if you want to play with us. The duel at the Downs this season. Remus and myself head-to-head with some daily picks. They're going back to post today at 720. 
If you do, uh, listen, it's very simple. Go to hpibet.com, fill out, uh, just sign up and make a deposit, and you can bet on Assiniboia Downs and watch the races as well. Now, last night, Remo went in on race number one uh, and did not win. My races were, I kind of spread my bets out over three, four, and five, and because of the crazy weather, it was kiboshed. So I have a double bet to make today. So I'm going to make two. Um, but Remo, have you uh, have you checked out the uh, the races yet? Do you do you know where you're going? No, I'm going I'm going in blind, blind again. Uh, it worked for me the first time. Uh, if it doesn't work, I'll have to go with a new strategy. Uh, the first time we did this, I just kind of picked a horse and won. And uh, I'm up a lot now because of that. I think my twenty dollar bet paid six to one. So uh, you can do some Nicely quick math done. there. You've got, you've got a nice lead right so now over me. I, I think that I'm going to go with this strategy. Um, and then after that, you know, if it doesn't work again, which odds are it will not, I will have to uh, put in some time to determine. But we are on HPI bet here. I did pull up Assiniboia Downs as the track, and uh, I can place my Are bet. you going back? Are you Mr. Race 1? Is that, is that are we, your, your sweet are we spot ripping, you're going yeah, we rip and You can race do one. whatever race you want. You can do any race. You can do any bet. I am splitting mine today because I've got the two to make between race number four and race number six. In race number six, the best bet is going to be Storm Squall. And Storm Squall is, uh, you know, talking to some people in the know, a dropping speed horse. So he's going to a level maybe sort of uh, below where he normally has been. So five to two right now is the opening one, Chairmanny Muir. So that's going to be my win pick today, and then I'm going to split. I I'm going to do an Exactor and a Quinella using five six. So Master Juba and McCaig in race number four. I'll bang those down. Probably split it evenly between Quinella and an Exactor with the five six. And um, hopefully win them both and get back into striking distance of you after your your big win on bet number one, race number one of day number one of the live racing season. That's the way you start. Yeah, I'll have to decide what I'm going to do. I'll uh, place them in. Should I do it? Uh, should I do it right now? I was going to place two. You know what? Instead of betting one horse to win for twenty bucks, I could bet two horses to win for ten dollars each and have a better shot. I don't know why I didn't think about. You could, think about or that. you could bet, or you could bet one to win and one to place. Oh and no! Of course, the they, place you yeah. get first or second, you could win them both. Oh, so if you bet, bet, so if I bet a horse to place, if they get first, I still win. Yes, that, exactly. Is, yeah, oh. that's a good thing. And yeah, here's just a little four one one on this. If you bet to win, they've got to win. If you bet a horse to place, they can finish sec- first or second. And if you bet, say you've got a long shot that you think might get Uh-oh. in there, you can bet them to show where first, second, or third. Okay will also cash you the winning ticket. Okay, I'm gonna, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bet, I'm going to go uh, show, I'm going to bet. put a bet to show, $20, this horse, Otani. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes. I don't know, Looks what, like this is race one. one, yeah, race one, horse named Otani, uh, he's paying eight to one, so I will put I'll $20 to show on Otani. I- I want Otani. Uh, <laughs> there. Damn, I wish I saw it first. I want Otani. No, okay. Otani well, is you... my horse. <laughs> I'm taking Otani. You are not. And uh, I don't want anyone to see my pin, so I'm getting away from the screen. 
Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. But you can get in there. So Remus is on Otani in race number one, and I've got those picks from race four and race number six. Race six, if we're just looking for the winner, our best bet, Storm Squall in race number six. And again, all of that is at HPI Bet. We'll have some fun uh, throwing in our picks every day. And yes, if you are planning on um, watching the races, betting on them tonight, make sure to tune in 645 on the Assiniboia down site, ASD Live. They'll yeah. get the uh, they'll get the picks in, and um, you'll know what Marshall, Skip, Stretch, Kirk are all doing beforehand, and uh, hopefully give you a little yeah. bit of uh, good advice before making your own wagers. One thing, you know, I, I contemplated doing this during the Jets game. You know, during those overtimes, it was like one a.m. I was like, well, I was on HPI bet, you know, admiring my win, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I could bet on horse racing in Australia right now. <laughs> and I think, and it has the video, and I was like, oh. I uh, haven't de- gone down that rabbit hole yet, but maybe a couple more wins and I'm feeling good and it's late and I need some action. Uh, I could see myself doing that. I've already spent enough time betting on like the Nippon Ham Fighters and the Hiroshima Carp and J- in the Japanese Baseball League and KBO overnight. Not sure whether I need to start slamming down quinellas on the uh, Australian racetracks, but it's all there for you if you want at HPI Bet. Parade to post tonight, 7.20. And um, first race going in about 20 minutes after that. Uh, And again, if you want, you can kind of time these things. They've got rough estimates on post time for all of the races when you're on hpibet.com as well. So uh, great stuff to have that going on. And hopefully the weather will cooperate and they'll get the full slate in. Not very often you see the races canceled. Um, I guess maybe a bit easier to do that without fans. Uh, Again, safety of the horses, jockeys, everyone is first and foremost. And uh, that's why it didn't go last night. Shout out to Tom Halleck. He says he bet on a Japanese race at 2 a.m. last Saturday. So (laughs) sounds like a quality Saturday night to me. I got to give Tom, uh, Tom a shout out because Tom, I don't know, we, I followed him and he responded to somebody um, that was in the horse industry and I followed her yesterday and they tweeted out the first race. That's some good extra things to think. I'm trying to get in with some of the horsemen yeah. to get some good tips and understand this a little bit more to hopefully win a few more of these wagers as we go through. Uh, I need to, uh, yeah, you know, when it comes to like football, I'm like, or, you know, fantasy, I'm always reading about picks, but I think I got to get into the horse racing, um, what's it called? Prognosticators more. Or touts, sorry, touts is the term I'm Touts, for. yeah, yeah. Are there sharps, any good horse? Touts. I got to get, yeah, follow some sharps on Twitter, a couple horse racing touts, and then I'll be. I'll be good to go. I can't go into this blind anymore. Just picking horses named after my favorite baseball players. <laughs> well, although that's can. a good, you although have... that's a good strategy, I think. I often, I often will walk in when, like, when there are fans going in. I'll be walking in with some buddies, and before I've even seen the card or anything, I'm like, I'm going on number five in the first race we can bet on. Or just yeah. usually it has something to do with some old jet player's number, uh, but. It's essentially a random selection, and if you can hit that first dart, then you're really off to the yeah. races with a little bit of extra flow to a oh, play. With the I'm already races. off to that, and I can't wait till it opens and we can go, and I can actually just go on the website on my phone and make the bet from my seat instead of having to go to the the window and act, you know, pretend like I know what I'm talking about. I think That's the first right. time we went, I w- went to him like I have, I have no idea what I'm doing here. <laughs> just give me well, one of these. I think I just asked you. 
Well, I will say I will say that you know once you like once we're back and things are open and we can go there, we'll get in that terrace dining room. We'll like yeah, actually we'll probably have a night with Winnipeg Sports Talk like we did back with twelve ninety, where we'll invite a whole whack load of people, have a bite to eat. We'll do a little four one one operation where you know people that are beginners can understand how the betting, how to read mm-hmm. the form, um, and have a blast and get people together. That's uh, honestly that is something. It's so weird the era we're living in right now, especially here in Manitoba, with all the changes that have happened personally, um, you know, for us over the last few months. The fact that we've been doing this. I mean, I've still probably only seen you in person a couple times since Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily started, which is insane. But there will come a time where we're going to get back out there. And when we do... Um, you know, we'll be having meetups at Boston Pizza Lounge for a game at some point. We'll watch a bomber game. We'll definitely get the gang together out at the track. Um, there'll be plenty of things that we're doing. So I cannot wait for that. Uh, we just need to be a little bit more patient. And thank God the Winnipeg Jets and the run that they're on is going to keep us occupied for a few more weeks at least beginning next week mm-hmm. against the uh, against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, um you know, all things considered, um, you know, they, it would just be nice if it was a bit warmer right now. Man, this uh, frost warning. My friends in what? the gardening game were all freaking out last night that there was a frost warning. I think we've got it again tonight, although it does seem to be warming up mm-hmm. going through until the next, uh, you know, the next week or so. And then I think I saw like next Monday, um, potentially getting up to 30. Or so 28 yeah. Monday and Tuesday next week, 21, 23 for the weekend. Even Friday is going to be 22 and sunny. We can we can handle that. But a high of 11, eh, not so good today, 15 tomorrow. Uh, but at least we'll have some sunshine. And heck, by the time next week goes, maybe even by the time the weekend goes, we could be not caring about the uh, weather at all because everyone's focus yeah. will be entirely on game one between the Jets and their second round opponents. Yeah, here, we're now the weather channel. We got, yeah, I got, we I go. got, I got it up Ooh. here. Skywatch weather. Yeah, what is it now? Seven degrees right now. Uh, afternoon nine tonight. Minus three. That's crazy. Minus, minus three in uh, May 26th. You know, what, you know what this just reminded me of, Reem? Mm-hmm. Our Winnipeg Sports Talk segment that will be coming uh, in the future as we get closer to bomber season, weather with Willie Jefferson. Weather. He said he wanted to be a weather guy. He wants to be the weather guy. So I think we're going to have to lean on Willie and have him come on. He can drop some weekend forecasts. He can he can put you know Colleen Brady, yeah. Terry Apostle, John Sauter all on notice. Um, that Willie's maybe thinking about getting into the weather game. And I guarantee you it'll be the most entertaining weather report that we'll see in Southern Manitoba whenever he does it. We can make it happen. We'll just make sure Willie's not in his car uh, next time he's on the show. Although that was one of the more memorable segments when he was (laughs) in his car. And it gave us the best gifts, too. Remember, he did oh, the yeah. thing with the jersey afterwards and then doing the double W. I've seen some people screen grab those and pop it up. Don't worry. We won't be charging any DCMA violations. We love we love when you gift the stuff up from the show Here. and get it going. He says, uh, <laughs> Chris Vermette says, uh, it's raining, but come on down to Winnipeg. That's pretty, yeah. pretty good. <laughs> Uh, shout out to Dan Milburn. He says, now I see where I, why I wear a hat. So, uh, yeah. And then uh, Benji Rothman, who won the cake, he said that I uh, wasn't wearing a hat because, we, you know, we had royalty, the coach uh, coming, coming on. I did <laughs> shower. Behavior in, today. I was on my best behavior. I showered and shaved uh, just to make sure, just to make it look like we're a professional operation. Does this, does this count as wearing a collar today? What is that? Uh, what is that? Zip up? Three quarter zip? It's a, it's yeah, it's a, it's a QZ right there. So oh yeah, what brand is that? Are you allowed to say? Uh, Adidas. 
Oh, that's not hashtag sponsored. That's just what you bought. No, no. Although it's Tim, just like uh, I got a text. Tim was wearing a really nice Adidas NHL um, zip up, and as an owner of a couple of Adidas zip ups, they are very comfortable. Well, and hey, he's uh, NHL.com. They should be, you know, the NHL.com guys should be getting hooked up with some nice uh, NHL. Who is the current NHL? Is it still Adidas right now? No, or? Uh, f- I have a hard time. Adidas does the pro jerseys. Fanatics does the um, a lot of the other apparel now. Fanatics has kind of taken over. Yeah, they've taken over a lot of the sports apparel uh, world. Oh, Mike K says you need a, a caller like Dr. Rusin. Maybe. <laughs> Dude, those <laughs> those Rusin memes. I've seen a, from, I've seen have, a lot That of have those. come out of that one, like the whatever the announcement last week with like the caller that was out. Whoever whoever put the tie wrapped around his head with the two Bud Lights. That was the best me, one. That, it was me at a social. The next time we get out was great. But even better was the one where they added like eight more Bud Lights in there, whatever the beers were, and said, uh, you know, me after double overtime or whatever it was. So uh, anyway. <laughs> I never saw that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there was, I there's know. been an addition to it. The, the only know. thing, it would be better if we had like some 1919s in there as opposed to Bud Lights. But hey, we didn't make the memes. We just read yeah. them. Um, I do want to give a special thanks out, though, to uh, to Little Brown Jug. We talked about them a little earlier, but uh, we're going to send over uh, some victory beers for the coach and maybe some of the guys that have joined us on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. And uh, as I said, um, there it is. There, there's That's the growler, right, Reem? See, I, I'm down, I guess, with the growlers, but when you have, when you've got cans like this, and I found out today talking to him, you know, they gave out, you know, we had those uh, koozies, the 16-ounce koozies for the 1919 well, and I was saying, listen, that's such a veteran move to get the 16-ounce koozie for the 16-ounce can. I did find out, though, you can actually roll it down. And there's something on the inside of it if you need to use it for a 12-ounce can. But needless to say, the 1919 koozie goes best with a Little Brown Jug 1919. I'm sure the coach will enjoy it, as will some of our guests on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. What are you watching tonight? Um... Oh, man, what are we watching? Uh, I'm probably doing some work for this show. I know I'm going to post the Paul Maurice um, interview as a separate one for anyone who missed it. I'm going to be doing that. I will be having on in the background. I'll have a tablet beside me with the, I guess, the maybe the, the Panthers lightning mm-hmm. game. And then I'll switch to the late game once all the other games are done. But, yeah, I'm going to be working. I got some stuff I got to do. A lot of people asking about merch. Um, I'm going to start getting the wheels rolling on a Winnipeg Sports Talk store for a website. So it doesn't nice. stop here once the show's over. You think I'm just sitting at home doing nothing? Yeah, uh, certainly it, not oh, parenting everybody. To, I, parenting I do. <laughs> I have a window. I do my parenting. Um, well, it's like between 4.30 and 7, I get my parenting done. And then after seven, he's in, he's asleep. Oh, and oh, yeah. Also, I was going to be working on the Instagram contest we have tonight. So uh, follow Winnipeg Sports Talk on Instagram. Uh, the link is in the description of this video, and we'll have a contest. Um, and then if, if you enter, you know, we'll throw everyone in a draw. And uh, I believe Little Brown Jug has given us a prize. We'll be giving away, so that'll be fun. So stay, follow us on Instagram. Uh, we just hit twelve hundred followers. And we had some great posts of, uh, you know, press conferences from the Jets 
um, highlights from the show. Yeah, Remo's been kicking ass on the gram, folks, yeah. and all the social media stuff. I will say that, and and as well. And I think I don't know whether you were going to tell me about this or surprise this, but I've already seen some props in the chat as well. Uh, we've got some good transitions going on. I mean, the coach coming in, going from our screen to back at the yeah. little brown jug thing up going. I mean, I've just been like, <laughs> I've been I've been amazed here, Reem. How did how did uh, you pull this off? You yes. get more professional every day. Shout out to my buddy uh, Tyler at uh, Design Harbor. He's helped me out with some graphics. We got um, you know, we got you in there. We got the animated background. So if you're watching, listen on the podcast. Uh, we've kind of upped our YouTube game today. I'm learning more about um, you know the software we're using. I know they have an updated version. I'll be able to do way way more fun stuff. So, uh, sorry, I'm not on the screen. One sec, I'll just slide slide right in. <laughs> oh there wow, just just slide right in there. Very yeah. professional. Uh, by the way, speaking of merch, yeah, we're working on this stuff. We'll have something to tell you shortly. Uh, but Jeff Kabilis, WST Swag, what's the status on the gas mask bong, LOL? No, there, we will not be having the Laramie Tunsil signature WST model, I don't think. Um, if you want to make one yourself, uh, feel free. That'll be a one of one. But I don't really think that that'll be a product we'll be bringing to Remus's Winnipeg Sports Talk store. Probably more things like maybe hats, hoodies, mugs, you know, a few of those things to uh, to do it. But in the meantime... Um, as I said, tonight, um, you know, great time for a 1919. And speaking of those little brand jugs, so Friday we are going to be doing the we'll, – we'll execute the Instagram portion of the contest, but mm-hmm. we do have two little brown jug online gift certificates. Yeah. Will you just be able to go utilize the great new website and do it? So um, I Save it to, for tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow yeah. after another very special guest – We'll have a pack chat. We'll pick some names and we'll do it like that um, for people that are with us. But if you want to get in for a marble brace to finish stay, up Friday's stay show, tuned. stay tuned and go to Instagram. Check out the piece. You'll see a post on Sports Talk Winnipeg with a 1919, some jet stuff in there. That's the one you're going to do. Read it. Tag a friend. Make sure you're following us, and uh, maybe we'll have a gift cert for you for the Little Brown Jug online store uh, coming up on Friday. So you'll have a couple days to do the Instagram. Tomorrow we'll do it with people in the chat. Be a lot of fun to do it, and thanks again to Dustin and the gang at Little Brown Jug for their incredible support, um, as well as sending over a few congratulatory cold ones for Coach Paul Maurice. Yeah, I, I was like, hey, do I need to deliver them myself? I can go do that. I'm happy to do that. And you're like, oh, no, they have their own delivery. Home service. delivery. Wake I- up. I was like, right, oh, yeah, they, they do that. So I actually might have to order order some stuff here. Well, it, not a bad idea. And heck, as, as we said with right now, um, you know, if you are going to the bottle shop uh, with any of the Canet Inns, make sure to pick up the 1919s. You can win that 1919 beer fridge. But um, as far as right now, I mean, no one really, I think, wants to go out much. Uh, we're being told not to. So you can avoid it by simply going to the brand new relaunched website, ordering online, and they will show up at your house give it to you and you'll be set you'll be good to go with uh the best beer that our city's producing right now little brown jug uh man this has been an awesome show hey i do a remo want to give a shout out to our friends at aikens lake i meant to do this a little bit before Mm. i've seen pit i know huge jet fans there can't imagine how much fun they're having up at the lodge watching the games in the evening and being out on the water during the uh during the day if you are thinking about um, you know, some sort of a vacation in Manitoba this year. Check out our friends at Aikens Lake, world-class lodge with some of the most incredible people um, that you could possibly meet. The staff is amazing. 
And even for someone like me that had never really spent, you know, any time on the water before, I was a master angler in about 36 hours after being at Hakens Lake. I still hold that one over Gary. Love it. Um, but it was just an experience like I've never had before. And often the month of June, is, or usually the month of June, packed top to bottom with people coming up from the States. Obviously, that's not happening. So there is some you know unique availability in June. That is never the case. And again, you just drive to Silver Falls, short flight. You'll be on the water in a couple hours from the city. Um, so find out more online, akenslake.com. Or uh, give Pitt Turen, our good friend, a buzz on Twitter at AkinsLake.com. Um, I have, you know, just before we go, Reem, this is going to be a great night of uh, of hockey. I mean, three game sixes, 5.30 Pittsburgh Islanders, Florida, Tampa at 7, and Vegas, Minnesota. I, I mean, I could give you a reason why any one of these six teams will win tonight. Do you have any lean? And by the no. way, in the chat right now, who's your best bet tonight? Just one of those teams to win the game. Would love to see what the chat has to say before I uh, make my final picks for CoolBet.com. Remo, if you had to put a fin down on a team to win, pretend this was a survivor pool mm-hmm. tonight, who are you taking? Um, I think I would go... If you had to pick one team... I know Spencer Knight is the hot, you know, the hot thing in Florida. I would probably take Tampa. I know they're the biggest favorite, but they're also the defending cup champion. So I would pick Tampa to win. And um, the one, if you want to pick another one, the other, te- the only team that's home with the three-two lead. Sorry, Tampa's also home. The Islanders are home with the three-two lead as well. Mm, I'll go. Tam- I, I'm going to pick Tampa, but if I had to pick one team to extend, I will take Minnesota. They're at home. And they're the uh, one home team that's down 3-2. So. It almost seems like that series should be 7. Although I think I'm oh. with Miller Time 1980 with Vegas. I think they get it done tonight after missing their first chance to do it at home. And um, yeah. Penguins, I'd love to see the Penguins and Panthers do it just because we mm. want Game 7. So to be honest with you, what's the, par- what's the Game 7 parlay? We, you, to get the, all Miss, the Game 7s? Yeah. Oh, I, you know what? I, would be- I don't think that's going to win, but I could bet on that. Here, <laughs> Let's let me- see it right now. So here, if we took I can the make Penguins, it Penguins, Panthers, and Wild would be a plus 769 parlay, and that would make a lot of people happy as well. As I said, you can make your mm-hmm. own selections. Coolbet.com. I will put out the lines on our Twitter at SportsTalkWPG, and if you do want to bet on the games... Click the link and use the promo code WST. It's all there in the Twitter. Uh, it's all there in the tweet. Very simple. And big thanks to Chris and the gang at CoolBet.com for being with us on board since uh, since yeah. the start. Remo, what a great show we've had today. Um, cannot thank Scott and the guys at the Jets enough for scheduling and allowing and making happen coach Paul Maurice to come on for the first time today. And with a couple, a little bit of downtime, we'll make an announcement tomorrow morning, but can tell you another very special guest from the organization planning to come on tomorrow. It should be fun. And um, I guess tomorrow's Thursday. We'll have to see that should be our regular visit discussing the series with, is it Kenny or Rennie? I think it's Rennie tomorrow. Oh, it is Rennie. um, Okay. And um, I think it is Rennie. Make sure. Maybe last we'll year, last week was Kenny. Remember, because his power went out, <laughs> and he had to do it off his phone, and then it froze because someone called him. Yes, <laughs> that's right. And uh, uh, learning so many things about streaming, broadcasting, you just and we do have to give a shout. I saw someone mention this in chat. We didn't acknowledge it. We haven't touched too much on the Blue Jays because we've been going really hard on the hockey. We know Guerrero is the best uh, hitter in baseball, but uh, a Blue Jays prospect, Alec Manoa, is making his debut tonight in Yankee Stadium. So if you're following the Blue Jays 
Um, I think I see a lot of fans on Twitter. They're pitching. I think they've had a lot of number of injuries this year. The Blue Jays again. It, it's tough with the Jets playing so well and following that. But we will get to some Blue Jays. I think in the summer and definitely um, in the playoffs too. Because I know a lot of people are fired up about that. Well, there'll it was, be tons. it was Dominic. Shout out to Dominic for bringing that one up. Yeah. Well, oh, that's probably Dom. Yeah. Well, Dom. Uh, listen, I, your, I know that, there's yeah. a lot that could be the dominator. I'm not really. He's a huge Jays fan. Um, but listen, they won. I mean, I don't know how much you wanted us to talk about the Jays last week when they're losing six or seven in a row. It probably would have been move on. This is depressing. So, um, but listen, Vlad, does Vlad have 16 now? One ahead of Otani? I mean, you want to talk about, I mean, this could be the home run, um, home run race for the ages with two of the most exciting young players in baseball. One a pitcher, one on the Blue Jays going head to head. But um, both of those guys must see whenever they're up at the plate. Yeah, we did see. I saw Jay uh, WPG in chat was asking about advertising. There is an uh, go to our website WinnipegSportsTalk.com. You can contact us there. The question: How many people run Winnipeg Sports Talk? Two. Just <laughs> just looking at both of them. Him. So, somehow, and him. <laughs> somehow only two. So I don't know. We're we're here doing it. Uh, I don't have the. I'm getting a. Um, I'm getting a long iPhone cable so I can have the. Uh, you know, the Remus bubble cam com- of the command center <laughs> on. I can bring up any time because now, right now, uh, it's not set up. But I'll have that camera set just so we can we can go anytime. Well, as I said, you know, who knows how we'll look in. I mean, listen, it's working out great right now for us, both from our own spot. I mean, certainly down the road, would love for us to be able to be in the same place and somewhat of a studio bringing people in live. But mm-hmm. for right now... Um, these are the conversations that need to be had. There's a lot of excited Jets fans and Winnipeg sports fans, Manitoba sports fans in with us, and even getting in some of the Leafs nation as things start to percolate before a potential it's... potential second-round matchup. But listen, Leafs fans, before you start beaking us, take care of your business, and then we'll figure things out when round number two is set. Yeah. Uh, and you ask Leaf fans, as I said earlier, you know, not feeling that confident, but they are up 3-1. They have looked like the better team. I think Carey Price is going to have to steal one, and Montreal is going to have to figure out how to score some goals if they want to move on. Uh, for for zip last night. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, well, listen. Um... This has been an awesome show. Thanks again to Paul Maurice for joining us. As always, we want to thank Not Auto Corp, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend Country Club, Cool Bet, and Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Um, Been a great show. Podcast will be up shortly if you've just popped in. Uh, We'll also post the Paul Maurice interview separately on YouTube. You want to let people know, tweet out a link for that. We'd certainly appreciate it. And most of all, make a plan to be with us tomorrow. Another great guest from the Jets. We'll announce it tomorrow morning. You're not going to want to miss it, though. Um, We'll have Sean Reynolds, I believe, join us. Break down his thoughts on what we saw in this series against Edmonton and a look ahead to what's next, as well as everything coming out of three big game fives tonight in the Stanley Cup playoffs. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Shout out to all the Jets fans and even the Leaf fans that came in today. A great, great turnout and uh, for the most part, civil and fun in the chat. And that is the way we like it. Folks, have a great night tonight continue exhaling and getting some rest from that series. It's going to get ramped up again very, very soon. And we'll see you tomorrow at 1 o'clock right here, live on YouTube on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh, my God! Shut it down! Let's go home! 
thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.